Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight is Ian. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features are free, including our Shrine of Female listeners, where you can see dozens of our lady listeners who've taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing they are indeed listeners of the show. See them at shrine.freetalklive.com. And if you are a lady listener, you're invited to become a part of the Shrine. It's not a beauty contest. It's just a uh, catalog of some of the wonderful ladies that listen to Free Talk Live. Shrine dot freetalklive.com uh, we will take your phone calls about anything mark it's been a long time since we've had a top 10 list and you've got one that uh, piqued my interest what is it well it's the uh, top, the 10 things that every woman should know about a, a man's brain a and man's it's brain it's from uh, livescience.com and it because um, this is very this would be a very different article were it to come from uh, say askmen.com we've had some of theirs in the past those are a little on the, uh, I don't know, maybe a bit chauvinistic side. Uh, but w- what do they have to share? Well, um, it's it's interesting. Uh, the most popular notions about the male brain are based on studies of men ages 18 to 22, right? Undergrads subjecting Which, of course, them- has nothing to do with men who are older than that. <laughs> Undergrads subjecting themselves to experiments for beer money or course credit. Yeah. A man's brain varies tremendously over his lifespan, quickly contradicting the image of the single-minded sex addict that... Uh, Circulates in the mainstream (laughs) consciousness from his wandering eye to his desire to mate for life. Here's what you need to know about uh, a guy's mind. And they they do a a convenient little top 10 list, starting with 10 on down, which is always my favorite way for for them to go. Number 10. Number 10. (laughs) While females are usually considered the more emotional gender, infant boys are more emotionally reactive and expressive than infant girls. Researchers have found um, adult males have slightly stronger emotional reactions, too, but only before they are aware of the feelings. Found in a 2008 study published by the Scandinavian Journal of Psychology, it closely monitored facial expressions. Once the emotion reaches consciousness, however, men adopt a poker face. When young boys uh, likely... Too tough to have feelings, right? When when young boys likely uh, learn to hide emotions the culture considers unmanly, but tamping down emotion also spurs the body's fight-or-flight response. A man's strong reaction and subsequent suppression may ready him to handle a threat, theorized the 2008 uh, study researchers in Lund University in, in Sweden. Hmm. So that's interesting. They, they claim that men might actually be more emotional than women. That's interesting. That is interesting. Yep. Number nine, more vulnerable to loneliness. Of course, you're welcome to, uh, to dial in with your thoughts at 800-259-9231. While loneliness can take a toll on everyone's health and brain, older men seem particularly vulnerable, said uh, Dr. Luann, well, uh, Brizendine, a professor of clinical psychology at the University of California, San Francisco, and author of The Male Brain. Men tend to reach out less than women, which exacerbates loneliness and the toll it takes on their brains, um, social circuits, she said. Living with women may be particularly helpful. Men in stable relationships tend to be healthier, live longer, and have hormone levels that may indicate decre- decreased anxiety, studies have shown. Women might also be good for a guy's gonads. Male mice living with a female. joke? It's, I'm just reading the article okay. here, man. It's not a joke in live science, okay? <laughs> Men might also be good for a guy's gonads. Um, male mice living with females remain fertile longer than their isolated cousins, found a study published by the Biology of Reproduction in 2009. Gotcha. 
And, you know, I've heard this uh, a great deal that sort of life is better for guys when they're married. You know, certainly there's this whole idea that you want to go out and roam around and I I totally get that, but uh, I, I <laughs> that's an honest statement. Yeah, I do. I, I totally get where it's coming from, but at the same time, you know, I've just my life's much better and more complete with my with wife. Around. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it'd be really great if I could do both, but I just don't see how that is ever going to happen. So I know which one's yeah. better. It tends to upset uh, the. Lady. Yeah, it's not going to go well. So be, be that as it may. Uh, number eight, focused on solutions. While many studies suggest that women are more empathic and, uh, than men, Dr. Brizendine stresses that it's not entirely true. The empathy system of the male brain does respond when someone is stressed or expressing a problem, but the fix-it region takes over very quickly. <laughs> this hub, Even if somebody didn't ask them to, right? Yeah, I, yeah. You know, what I find for myself is if somebody brings up a problem to me and um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be very quickly to want to wanna come up with a solution for them and... I hold it against them if they don't use my solution. Hmm. So I don't want them, like, don't bring me your problems if you're not going to take my solution. It's kind of how the way I feel about it. Yeah. Not that my solution may, be, may or may not be the best one. It's the best one I can come up with. But I just, uh, I guess, you know, it's this kind of control thing <laughs> that I, I suppose hmm. some people just want you to listen to their problem. Whereas, you know, I'm, right. if you're looking for a counselor, they, you know, they charge 80 bucks an hour. I'm not here for that. So... Anyway, as a result, men, to be more, tend, men tend to be more concerned with fixing a problem than showing solidarity in, in the feeling, she said. Gotcha. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the whole men, um, women are from Venus, men are from Mars books that were out 15 years ago. Did you ever hear of them? Oh, sure. Sure. I never, never read them, but I've heard of them. I read one in prison. Hardwired, uh, hardwired to check out women. While often linked to aggression yeah, and hostility, <laughs> testosterone is also the hormone of the libido, and guys have six times the amount surging through their veins as women, said, uh, hmm. well, Panjal Mikta. Of course, a, this is on average. Right? Yes. Social uh, psychologist at Columbia University in New York, Meta and uh, colleagues found that the testosterone impairs the impulse con- control region of the brain. So when you see an attractive woman, you're liable to make mistakes um, if, if do something you know, stupid. Yeah, if, if that's what it uh, it takes. <laughs> um, well, it's yet to be studied. This may explain why uh, Bresendine says that men ogle women as uh, if on autopilot. They mm-hmm. often forget about the women uh, once the woman once she is out of their visual field. <laughs> you, know? you know, one of my favorite uh, Penn and Teller episodes, Penn and Teller BS. I think it was from their first season. It was certainly early on where they uh, they they put the uh, this chick with a very revealing uh, dre- like uh, some sort of a top yeah. and they gave her a clipboard, clipboard and she, and she was, was supposed doing to go kind of- ask a survey of people and they also dressed her in a very conservative manner as well so the same yes. girl was dressed in two different manners and uh, they had the hidden camera of course and were watching as the guys that she was talking to would uh, lower their eyes to her cleavage yeah. and they'd, they'd ring a bell every single time the guys <laughs> would do it it was hilarious they just couldn't not do it right <laughs> Does the guys know that they were on tv i don't i think it was a hidden camera i'm not positive i can't I remember you'd that. certainly get more uh looks at the cleavage yeah. if, if that was the case <laughs> so funny so number six men must defend their turf part of the uh, male job evolutionarily speaking is to defend turf uh brizendine said more research is needed in humans but in other uh, male mammals the defend my turf brain area is larger than their female counter- counterparts while women have Two have fits of possessiveness. Men are much more likely to become violent when faced with a threat to their uh, love life or territory, she said. And I, you know, 
I, you see it all the time. It's 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 clear, right? From an evolutionary. Some of these standpoint, are not very shocking, <laughs> right? Not not really, right? <laughs> so I mean, from an evolutionary standpoint, males are killing machines. I mean, that's just what they're there for. They're go out mm. there to go out and get the meat gathering. Women can handle that on the mo- their own. And now in today's society, you really you don't need them for much at all. Uh, males, have, May, men, you mean? Yeah, they, 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 <laughs> you know, if you could keep one for every ten women, you'd be in pretty good shape. They. Uh, I know, can't be doing much killing, you know. I, I'm just, I'm not built for all that. Uh, well, at this point, the way way it is, I mean, for, for, uh, you don't, ha- you didn't have to get big and strong to do the killing. You can kill kill with buttons now, mm-hmm. and uh, as, as evidenced by the predator drone drivers uh, who do a, such a fine job in Pakistan and Afghanistan, killing people off, you know, and then go home and spend the evening with their wives and families. Ugh. Gross. It's it's disgusting to me too. I'm just pointing out that you don't need right. to be big and strong to do it. You just need to have the mind to be able to handle it, at least in short terms. When so, you when you have a psychological breakdown, um, you know, later on in life, the military may or may not take care of you at that point. But as long as you can handle it at that time, then you know you're what they want. Okay. The job. So from LiveScience.com, this is the list of what. Ten things every woman should know about a man's brain. Right, okay. So it's not necessarily surprising things that you didn't know, but if you don't know these ten things, you should. Right? I mean, these are some really basic things that you need to know about. Got it. 800-259-9231. I don't think... Many many of the men are not shocked in this... uh, <laughs> listening to this in the audience. 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. Ladies, you're welcome to call in, share your observations. Of course, guys, too. 800-259-9231. But the ladies get preference on the phones. It's Free Talk Live. In the decades to come, hardy adventurers will colonize the solar system, rediscovering freedom and finding vast new wealth. But the government of Earth will seek to extend its power and claim that wealth as its own any way it can. Escape from Terra, Volume 1, the first trade paperback collection of the popular adventure webcomic series, is available now for $12.95 from Big Head Press at BigHeadPress.com. is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free take control of the airwaves, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. Join us on our website where you can influence some of the stuff we'll talk about on the air. You go to freetalklive.com, log in. It's free, of course, to create an account. And then you can post stuff that you think is interesting that you found online, perhaps a YouTube video or a blog post or news item, whatever. You can even write up your own thoughts or questions and post those too. Go to freetalklive.com, you post what you want, and then other listeners vote on them, whether they like or dislike. The most liked will make it to the front page and the top of our website, meaning we're more likely to see them and talk about them on the air. So go and uh, feel free to add your thoughts in and your show prep suggestions to freetalklive.com. Now, government school is necessary to prepare young people for citizenship. After all, where else could a curious and creative individual learn how to be a meaningless part of a large and uniform group of dependent followers who are constantly being watched, managed, and told what to do? School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of government-controlled education. Visit their new site at schoolsucksproject.com, make a profile, join the forums, and help these ideas spread. That's schoolsucksproject.com. As we continue, Mark, you have got a story here from Live Science. 
Com, where they are explaining to uh, the ladies out there ten things they need to know if they haven't figured them out. They haven't figured these out already. Uh, ten things they need to know about how men think. I think it's a pretty cool article, um, nonetheless. I mean, some of it's some of it's been obvious. Some of it hasn't been. Yeah, men are uh, surprising. Uh, yeah, men are uh, can be more mo- emotional than women, um, and uh, more prone to loneliness. Just interesting. Number five, who's the boss? An unstable hierarchy can cause men considerable anxiety. I think that this is uh, absolutely true. Some of the other stuff I've seen in this is that, uh, you know, guys are very concerned about sort of social rank. And um, this one, Brizzian says, it's an established chain of command, such as uh, that practiced by the military and many workplaces. It reduces testosterone and curbs male aggression. Preoccupation with establishing pecking order, which starts at as early as age six, motivates the male dance where um, they're always trying to put each other down. Brizendine says it's better to be aggressive in a verbal jab than to duke it out. Trash talking. Yeah. And it's just kind of, you know, trying to I, I mean, you'll see this in groups of guys, just how it is that they try to decide who's on top and who's not and all that other stuff. So. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it, it's interesting, and I think it's uh, interesting. This you know how how is it? Because it seems like the workplace is moving to a less hierarchical, sort of more uh, fluid uh, ranking system. You think I, that's how I see the I mean, world? We're sitting here doing our own radio show, not having to work for anybody. We're not. Yes, in but the I read articles. I assume I uh, you know. I mean, that's there. A lot of different things are being tried out, and I'm just I'm just wondering how is it going to you know how is it going to change things? Because I mean, guys do sort of naturally want to you know lord over the next guy um be the you know be somehow superior to the next guy yeah i don't know if i feel that way necessarily i don't but know if you really qualify as a real guy as a real guy yeah, yeah. let's right. see i'm pe- pecking well, at you. So a lot of these a lot of these things <laughs> a lot of these things i could see uh for myself i can definitely mm-hmm. see that um but uh, you know but at the same time uh, like adam uh, from the uh, liberty on tour got himself a a, a a new hd cam the other night uh-huh. and he got a one of these boom mic attachments to it uh, as well as a light, and he was uh, pimping it out last night at the nightcap here in Keene, and I, I was a little jealous of that. And you think that has uh, something to do with sort of rank? You feel that he has nicer stuff? He's got ni- yeah, he's got a nicer little uh, yeah. rig. Yeah, Made well, me want to get that. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> you could go out and get that anytime you want. So it's I, not I a, could, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't jealous. know. Maybe that's maybe that's it. I think it's somewhere involved in that, yeah. Or or perhaps it wasn't jealousy. Perhaps it was just simply by being inspired. Like, wow, I didn't know I could do that with this little handicam thing. The mature male brain, number four. Over the course of evolution, men have needed to compete for status and mates, while um, young men, uh, while young and uh, emphasize, while young and emphasize bonding and cooperation when mature. Mata hmm. said, "Men seem to agree, uh, to agree, and physio- uh, physiological studies have shown that one upmanship holds less appeal for older men. Instead, they pay more attention to relationships and bettering the community." The change is likely – I don't understand how that could be an evolutionary trait because evolution has to do with your ability to procreate, right? And you know, so early on, it doesn't have – sort of how you're going to act past 20, it doesn't seem to me has any kind of bearing on evolution, do you know? I don't know. I, I wouldn't claim to know much about evolution beyond the, the general concept of, of, of what it is. I mean – that it, what you're talking about may be more of a societal observation than anything else. The change but, is likely aided by the slow natural decline in testosterone as men age. Modern well, there you go. Colleagues, your explanation. 
have found that uh, men with high testosterone levels tend to be better at one-on-one competition, while those with lower levels excel at competitions requiring team cooperation. Oh, okay, I've got a, I've got a thought here. Uh, perhaps you know, men are living much longer than they were hundreds of years ago, sure. right? So in, in captivity, their, uh, they can live uh, you know eighty, ninety, a hundred years out in the wild, uh, thirty-five. In, right. So Tops. so at that point, your twenties is past middle age. I mean, if, there, you're, yeah. if you're twenty, you're past middle age, and so therefore, if if men are as uh, testosterone at that uh, that age, then it would make sense that down the line, I mean, they they weren't expected to live beyond thirty-five at that point. So okay, so that falls off down the line and so they, they, their behavior changes i agree that the behavior changes because of the testosterone i don't know that that's necessarily an evolutionary trait i don't know I anything mean, about it. i'm it not could saying whether it's or not drop off and i don't think that really matters in um your, one's not, ability to, to, uh, to procreate and compete in that right i'm arena. not saying it has anything to do with evolution we're just talking about how men that's are that's what they right? said though oh they did what was it that they said all right. Over the course of that evolution, is- men have needed to compete uh, for status and mates while young and emphasize bonding and cooperation when mature. That doesn't really sound like it's saying anything about. I, mean, I, th- I think they're just talking about uh, the an observation of, of what men have done, what they believe. Wouldn't uh, disagree with that. Just, a, just The father-to-be, this is probably an important one to, one? Uh, number to, four? to women. Yeah, number three. Number three. The male brain becomes especially primed for cooperation in the months before becoming a father. Fathers-to-be go through hormone changes. Uh, Prolactin goes up, testosterone goes down, which likely encourages uh, uh, more paternal behavior. Do you feel this has been accurate for you? I've certainly gotten fatter. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning you're not so interested. Maybe you're still looking at other women, but you are not so interested in your external uh, self and and attracting them. I mean, I'm 40 years old, uh, going gray, and and doing my best to stave off uh, uh, weight gain here. I mean, really, what does that 18-year-old girl want with me? I I can look, but what good is it going to do me? Going to talk to her, what good is it going to do? What do you talk to her about? Yeah, and then you have to, that's the whole problem, right? I don't want to do that. (laughs) The a lot of eighteen-year-old girls out there. To, not a lot of deep conversation to be had. Yeah, it's just my uh, nothing personal, ladies. Right, Mark? right? Yeah. It could be. It could. There could be. The, you know, some eighteen-year-old girl. The lady that's listening to this isn't the one I'm talking. Right. About. Right. That Absolutely makes sense. Not very never. smooth. Yeah. Sure. Good save. The pheromones of uh, pregnant women. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I'm sure uh, older women feel the same way. I don't know why. What it's like to be a cougar, but. Uh, you, Obviously, there's that same difference there, right? You've got an older lady uh, with a younger guy. What do you talk about? I don't know. I don't know either. I, you know, I, <laughs> I say I couldn't talk to, to younger women, but younger guys, I see no reason. I don't see why young women date young guys. <laughs> they don't get it. They don't know any better, right? <laughs> 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free and bring up whatever's on your mind. we got three more here, two more? I'm not finished with number three. Number three. They're so to be thing. I'll All right, we'll come back to that. The top. Take your thoughts as well. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. (laughs) 
This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com where the features are free. We've got our wiki with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you. W-I-K-I wiki dot freetalklive.com. Our number here, 800-259-9231. Its shadow followed Paul. Its hot breath had flowed across the back of his neck. Its cold fingers had caressed his throat. So begins Matthew Wayne's novel, The Ouija-ers. Follow Paul's adventure as he dabbles in the dangerous netherworld opened up to him by The Way of the Ouija Board. Open your imagination to the frightening possibilities as a demonic dimension merges with our own. What occult realities will Paul discover? What hidden powers... Will you have to battle? Reel the we- read the Ouija's to find out at ebook.freetalklive.com. It's ebook.freetalklive.com. All right, we continue here. 800-259-9231. Going to wrap up the uh, things that women should know about the way men think, about about men. And if you don't already know these things, then you definitely should. I agree. It's, it's, I think it's been a pretty good list so far. Mark. So um, from livescience.com, number three. The father-to-be, the male brain becomes especially primed for cooperation in the months before becoming a father. Fathers-to-be go through hormone changes as well. Prolactin goes up, testosterone goes down, which likely encourages paternal behavior. This was found in a 2000 study in evolution and human behavior. The pheromones of a pregnant woman may waft over to her mate to spur these changes, says uh, Brizendine, who was not involved with that particular study, but uh, she had written a book, The Male Brain, so I guess she's commenting on it. The expecting mom might be repaying a favor even before she is pregnant. Male uh, pheromones cause good mom neurons to sprout in the the female brain. So apparently good relationship, being together, these things create, uh, you know, they're they're going to be good for the kid, good for the family, good for everything. Neat. Number two. Number two, daddy play. Daddy-specific ways of playing with their kids, more roughhousing, more spontaneity, more teasing, can help kids learn better, be more confident, and prepare them for the real world, studies have shown. Also involved dads lessen risky behaviors, um, r- risky kids' sexual behaviors. Fathers that actively pretend, uh, parent, tend to have lower testosterone levels, uh, uh, report several cross-cultural studies. While it's not known if the hormone levels cause the behavior or vice versa, researchers... So, wait, wait, wait. So, if... Um if Daddy is not playing with uh, little Billy or uh, you know Jackie or whatever, that that means that there's a good chance he might be out cheating, right? Because if he's not, it could uh, be. But if, uh, if he's not, if he's not being a parent, then his testosterone levels would be higher, meaning he's more likely to make a mistake and go out and, and do something like that. Well, if if right, I, I, I you can you can draw all kinds of conclusions yeah. uh, from from that. It, the only fact is that there's lower testosterone levels in in guys that uh, actively parent. And uh, are involved in their kids' lives. So, I mean, maybe they're less likely to go out and get in a fight. Maybe they're less mm-hmm, likely to, uh, you know, cheat, I suppose. It, it's certainly a possibility. Um, all these things. But it, the only reality is it's lower testosterone levels. So, researchers theorize that evolution has favored in, involved dads. Human children are among the neediest of <laughs> animal kingdom. And good dads optimize the chance that their offspring and their genes survive. I tell you in our case that uh you know jack's needy likes uh you know likes to uh, he, likes attention yeah even when he's um playing on his own after every about 10 minutes or so he runs over to to, to my wife mm-hmm. just kind of checks in for a second or two and makes sure that everything's the way he left it and he goes back and starts playing with gets, his gets a little dose yeah yeah that's that's how it that goes 
Number one, men covet wedding bells too. <laughs> Women want to settle down and men want to sow their wild oats. Forever, the refrain, refrain usually goes, but this might be one of the largest misconceptions stemming from the U.S. tendency of using undergrads as test subjects. Golly, it seems so obvious. It does seem obvious. Infidelities are most likely to occur before men hit 30. Found a study of uh, Bolivian men published by the Proceedings of the Royal Society in 2007. Then they're looking to settle down. Yeah. After that, men primarily focus on providing for their families. Uh, Of course, some men have a harder time with commitment than others, a problem which could be genetic, according to a 2008 study by the Hmm. Proceedings of the National Academy of Science. Men... Without the uh, promiscuity gene, an estimated uh, 60% of the population are more likely to marry. But that's not all. Both they and their wives are also more likely to report relative marital bliss, the researchers found. Unfortunately, the association is so small, said the study's uh, lead researcher, that uh, in Sweden you can't use it for screening potential mates. So, Huh. So funny. we all know that uh, men are pretty easy to figure out, right? But what about the, the reverse of this list? What about the 10 things that, uh, that men need to know about women? I, I'm just curious. Has that come out as a fresh article? Is it relatively old? You know, I, I don't have that. Uh, well, do, I, do I me a favor. Answer. Look around for it. See if, you can, see if you can dig that up. In the meantime, let's talk to Jason in Colorado. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, Jason in Colorado, you're on Free Talk Live. Need to get that call there, Jason? Yeah, oh. I'm trying to shut this thing off. Okay. Ring in the background. So okay, what's, what's uh, up? What sort of financial uh, wizardry will you be uh, relating to us tonight? Ian, I want to talk about territory and the mail. No, I want to talk about finances, of course, as you guess. Shut this thing up. Sorry. That's okay. So I want to talk about the financial reform bill that passed the Senate today, and it's on its way to Obama's desk. All right. What does this entail? Uh, well, I don't know what's in it. I would never even waste my time reading 2,000-plus pages sure. of uh, – of law, I, I, I read in one article that it's half the size of the King James Bible in word length. So, um, <laughs> well, this is it. I'm this is going to save the economy, right? This is a must. It's oh, mostly definitions. It's definitional. You don't. Uh, they, you, you don't need to worry about the length of the pages. This is what I heard one of the uh, the, <laughs> the politicians <laughs> saying on the radio. Don't worry about it. It's mostly just defining the the terms that we use that well, you right. wouldn't know otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the Newspeak dictionary. That's the problem. Yep. So so this thing is huge, and it's going to have many nasty things in it. Uh, the the three main things that it says it's going to do. Well, I'm sorry. The first main thing it says it's going to do is prevent the next catastrophe, which we know that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, it's yeah, gonna, the government can't ever. I mean, if there's one thing that you need to know about uh, economics is that it's more powerful than the government. I mean, there's there's nothing that they can do to stave off the inevitable uh, f- fix, if you will, the inevitable correction uh, for for forever. They can't. Right. So so they're going to do. I don't know what all the regulations are, but they have some kind of greater regulation of the banks. They're giving the Fed instead of less power. The Fed is getting more power to do what? I don't know. They already have the power to print money, so I don't exactly know exactly what they're going to do. Uh, it creates some but kind don't of- worry. No, no, don't worry. When They'll give them a little more power, but as soon as they audit them and find out they've been naughty, then they'll just take it all right away. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm sure they will. I just think I'm it's sure, amusing. 
I just think it's amusing all these people that believe that uh, there's some sort of change that's going to be made in Washington, D.C. in regards to how the Fed, uh, in how influential the Fed is and how much power it, you know, it wields and things like that, just because somebody voted for an audit. Well, I think that it, it, the, the more you can expose an organization as being corrupt and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, messed up, the better off you are. And I think that that's what it's about. It's the first step. The, the Fed isn't getting exposed in the way that it needs to be. I mean, you're going to see some changes in uh, policing here in the United States just because people are putting up videos on the Internet, and you agree with that. Yeah. Well, if we can just get these videos of the Fed, if we can just show what it is that they, they're they doing wrong and how they're messing with the economy but to some But why extent, do you need to audit them to show how bad they are? I figured all that out without an audit. How many people want to look at an audit besides an accountant? What's better? What's better than what? Well, I guess it, once you do the audit, then um, there's going to be news stories written about the audit. So you yeah, don't need, but you don't need to read the audit itself. Con- you can read the news story about it. You're jumping to a conclusion that the news media is going to have any interest in... in Somebody's uh, going to write it. But who's going to carry better, it? Is an audit better than not having an audit? Fine, Mark. I have no objection to it. I just don't make it sound... You know, These people that support it make it sound like it's going to change something. And I'm sorry, I just... I'm, uh, I'm a little too skeptical, a little too jaded to, to believe in that one. Anyway, go ahead, Jason, with your thoughts. Hey, well, I do have a little side conversation on that. So about audits, I know that the Ron Paul bill went down in flames some time ago, but I, I read an article that said basically if Ron Paul were to resubmit a new uh, a new bill that said uh, call it the U.S. gold audit, that might actually help uh, them open their uh, doors and see that there's nothing there. I'll tell you what, hang on, Jason. We'll bring it back here, continue uh, the discussion in a moment. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever you want. Jason with more uh, economic stuff, which has been pretty good. He's been very consistent uh, about this. He's going to have to run out at some point. It's Free Talk Live. American patriots, would you like to spend a day or two with other freedom-loving Americans? Learn rifle marksmanship while hearing the real story behind the American Revolution? If you said yes, then the Appleseed program is for you. Part shooting school, part oral history lesson, Appleseed has trained thousands of Americans nationwide. And with hundreds of shoots scheduled this year, you can be sure there's one near you. For more information, go to AppleseedInfo.org. That's AppleseedInfo.org. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Hey, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, well, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Start your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. So uh, we go back to your uh, phone calls and to the fun. Jason is on the line in Colorado. Now, Jason, you called in tonight to uh, deliver your thoughts on apparently a a new financial uh, reform bill of some sort that uh, went through. Uh, Now, did you say it just passed the... the, the Senate, or has it passed through the House and the Senate, or what's the status? It's on? been, it, Ian. It's been through the House, and today it passed the Senate uh, with a tally of sixty votes versus uh, thirty-nine no's. I thought that and was so the, I thought that it didn't pass. I thought that it just uh, they they voted to not they voted to stop debate, which usually means that it's going to pass. But I didn't. I don't think it is. Uh, 
that that's just my opinion. I don't know for sure, but I think don't think. Mark, it's- according to two two uh, articles I read, and they were like you know like NBC type uh, yeah. sources. It, it it passed, and it's going to Obama's desk. He'll sign it sure. next Wednesday or well, something. Well, you know like who that. works for NBC? Who runs NBC? It's the Bilderbergers. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, lizard people. Uh, so we're talking about the. You were talking about what this means. What uh, your thoughts, observations on this uh, financial reform? So uh, you had said the first thing was that they are giving the Fed more power. Somehow, I, I don't know all the particulars, but the Fed is getting some kind of extra power that they didn't already have. That's <laughs> more power! They love this <laughs> stuff. Go ahead. I, mean, I would be more worried if they had faster printing presses, but since that's all digital, uh, that doesn't matter either. Yeah, they can print it as fast as they want. Mm-hmm. So what else? So I, I didn't want to bore everybody with what's in the bill, because I don't frankly know what's in the bill. But what I do know is what it doesn't do. And it doesn't abolish legal tender laws. It doesn't abolish the Fed itself. It doesn't abolish the fraud that they call fractional reserve banking. And it doesn't allow private mints to compete in a free market to produce, uh, you know, silver rounds, gold rounds, whatever they want. But yet they, uh, they who would control us, the uh, politicians are claiming this is the savior, right? That this is, aha, this is going to save the economy. Are they saying that? They are actually, Ian, and this is the part that I actually wanted to end my point on, is they are exactly saying that. They are going in front of TV cameras, <laughs> and they're saying, you know, we didn't have the insight. We didn't have the ability to uh, – actually, one of the nastiest things this thing does, it gives the government the power, unconstitutional power, immoral power, to take property, a la take control of a company and, quote, wind it down, which just means dismantle it. Whoa. And, yeah, so that's both unconstitutional and immoral. Well, it's and, constitutional if they do it. <laughs> right. Right. That's why I threw it in the immoral there. Yeah, wow. the, the, the constitutional so, argument really doesn't hold any water considering it's their document and they, they you know, they, 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 they essentially in the document say that our opinions don't matter, that it's only the Supreme Court that decides. And essentially the legislature's uh, immune from any sort of uh, uh, responsibility if they write something that's uh, unconstitutional. So, you know, what you and I read in the Constitution doesn't really amount nope. to a hill of beans. You know, what's funny is uh, I was just totally guessing at, at my presumption. I, I totally uh, jumped to a conclusion that they were talking about how this is going to save the economy. I, I didn't even know they were passing this thing. I had no idea. I don't know what they're doing out there in well, D.C. Well, that's been the big critique all along as well. They were worried about, you know, Obama was passing his health care th- um, while the economy burned. We need financial regulation. We mm. need to bring back Glass-Steagall. And, uh, is this the thing, Mark, that you said the other day that that guy they elected down in Massachusetts, that Republican guy yes. that everybody was like, Scott freedom! Brown. You know, like this guy was going to yeah. do something. He switched sides on this one. And it wasn't just him. It was several Republicans. And I can see how he felt the pressure to do it, but, you know, I mean... They're what? all status. I mean, they... <laughs> And, and this, and this, yeah, this bill doesn't look... Pre- the, you could just call them the Republicrats. They're, yeah. they're the same party, the big government party. I just so think it's it, funny it that people still believe thing. that there's going to be the savior. Yeah, go, dude. Well, you didn't do anything. Go ahead. Ian, there is one good thing that's going to come out of this. Since they've made their big stand on television to say that this is going to save us from another crash... That's true, it won't. Uh, as I've been calling, it will not save us, and there will be another crash, and mm. there, hopefully people's memory lasts long enough to remember... Hey, I just saw the politician telling me 
it's not going to happen again, and then we're going to get all those bad things happening with inflation that I've been talking about. Don't you remember Bernanke uh, in 2006, or maybe it was 2005, coming on and saying something to the effect of, don't worry about the housing market, there's nothing wrong with the housing market, it couldn't be stronger, it's fabulous, or, or something like that. I mean, you know, it's the YouTube's rife with these, mm. uh, these quotes. <laughs> America just doesn't seem to care about the, the, the government and its involvement in finance. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I many- wish that it were true i just i don't have much faith in them on this one i'm with you mark i i feel like uh, most of america don't even know what's going on right because most of america is probably concerned with uh, i don't know what the pop whatever the pop culture news of the day is some pop culture icon dying uh or whatever so i think most of america is distracted with that or with their own lives as they should be i mean there's nothing wrong with uh, with being involved in uh, what you're doing but taking care of their families and putting food on the table and getting all the bills paid, I think that's probably a priority for most Americans. And then of the people that actually do pay attention uh, to the issues, shall we say, uh, they are just of the demo-publican mold, the red team, blue team mentality. And it could be difficult to, to snap those people awake. But I think you're right, Jason, that uh, the more stuff like this happens, the more people are going to look at it and say, huh. And, of course, the next out is let's presume that in uh, 2010 here the Republicans sweep in and they uh, they somehow take control, right? And so then you get the next crash that comes in after that. Well, then they'll have the, the excuse of, hey, it wasn't us. We we didn't yeah, do it was that. Obama's crash. Right. Well, I don't know that that's going to work though. I mean, in this it, the, 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 this knife cuts both ways. Obama would love you to believe, and and all as would all the Democrats, that uh, this is Bush's crash, and it's uh, you know that that's not a fair statement. And the 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 Republican talking heads have done a very good job of of making this Obama's crash, and I, I think there's some small level of fairness in that. But, you know, I think that the basically when the crash occurs and you're in charge, it's your crash. And that's the end of the story. Oh, they won't say that, of course. And what I'm the, talking, the Republicans won't. But that's what right. that's how the election's going to uh, swing against them. Yeah, of course, the Republican, uh, the uh, the followers, if you will, will believe them. I mean, they keep believing these Republicans that they're going to bring them freedom. What else do they have? You're right about that. You know, I mean, they haven't heard they, they they don't care enough and they haven't heard about things like the Free State Project. Sure. Uh, they know that voting for libertarians, uh, you know, by and large is Does nothing. It's just it's not very effective. You know, usually they get two, three, four percent. Yeah, it'd be great if you voted for libertarians, you get them on the ballot in your area. I suppose it's it's probably more value than voting for a Democrat or Republican. Well, I agree with that. But, you know, it doesn't. What's a change? It, it doesn't. So, it doesn't yeah. solve the problem. Right. So, you know, I can understand why they, you know, they, they feel like they don't have a choice. I can understand why somebody says, well, I'll take, uh, you know, the Republican over the Democrat or the Democrat over the Republican because they slightly more allied with my views, um, even though, of course, they that means nothing. Stink. Yeah, right. It means nothing what they say in advance. What mean, uh, you know, what is meaningful is what they end up doing. And of course, they all end up growing the state. So, Jason, final observations on this. Uh, no, that's it. I just want to say, don't believe what you're seeing on TV. All the all the inflation. Don't believe the the, the deflation argument. You're going to get inflation. Prepare for it, and uh, that's it. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate the call. Always interesting, uh, Mark. Since we're talking about money and uh, and such, and the you know the financial disaster that the government has created through its fractional reserve banking and fiat currency, there is a decent solution, in my opinion, to yeah. uh, protecting your assets. Yeah, and your there's money. Some, there's some things that you can do. Right, you can buy uh, things that you're going to use at your home if you think there's going to be some giant crash. And I don't know. I mean, I I wouldn't propose to to know whether it's going to be. 
you know, a sort of depression situation or whether you're going to see it, it's going to be some kind of terrible Holocaust kind of thing where you got to eat the dog, that kind of thing. Um, you it's could, hard to imagine. That it's hard to imagine that. Right. Like it's, it's hard to imagine that they can really lay the American people down that low. I find that difficult to, to believe, but you can buy things that you use on a regular basis, toilet paper, uh, paper towels, uh, things like that that you're going to consume. Uh, 22 rounds will probably make a good, pretty good uh, trading thing. Yeah, but you can only store so much toilet paper, so in the meantime... You but when could... it comes to an investment in those scenarios, I do think that gold and silver, precious metals, will be a good are a good thing to be in now and that you'll be able to sell them for more, um, more real money later. Yeah, I don't consider them an investment per se. I consider them more of a protection of Hedging my value. Uh, that that I've earned in my life, and instead of having it sucked away by inflation, the uh, gold and silver is a pretty good way of avoiding that. It is, it's a it's an excellent hedge against inflation. And that's what it's generally used for. It's probably a primary purpose. So, how can uh, folks listening get their hands on some? gold.freetalklive.com? I've put together some uh, coins there that I felt like were good choices that weren't going to be confusing for people. When I got into when I was looking at gold and silver, I was befuddled by what should I buy, what should I shouldn't I buy. The salesman wanted me to buy collectors' coins from the civil war or something like that and just like i don't know anything about that stuff i want gold and silver gold.freetalklive.com allows you to do that uh buy you know, rather than buying one buy several at a time so it's you save on shipping it's about it's the shipping's the same for one as it is for 20 at gold.freetalklive.com all right more coming up here hour number two is on the way what happens if you miss a pta meeting in detroit well, you might be a little shocked i will explain here in a little bit You can bring up anything. It's Free Talk Live. How long can you hold your breath? (sighs) Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. Talk Live, you can bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free and take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free. Uh, So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Much to discuss here tonight. Uh, Coming up, we'll talk about parents and teenagers and drugs and uh, what's the right thing to do we'll get to that discussion but first detroit a place where they've lost a significant amount of population did you know mark i, I heard uh, was in the car today just as an aside uh, we had one of the activists I, actually this is worth talking about we'll talk about detroit in a mo- uh, moment but uh, one of the activists who was arrested for so-called disorderly conduct up here in new hampshire uh, jim johnson 
Uh, one of the he's actually one of the actors in the recent crap campaign. Uh, he plays Jethro. So if you've seen the new crap campaign video, uh, you can you can watch Jim. He does a brilliant job. Anyway, they uh, they arrested him for disorderly conduct as he stood in front of a car that the cops were attempting to load a uh, a teenager into that they'd arrested for marijuana possession. So Jim was attempting to prevent the uh, the kidnappers, the police, from taking their victim away from the scene of the crime. He and a few others were doing that. Uh, they didn't arrest him the day of. They waited weeks later, came to his house, and then arrested him there, threw him in jail for four days as a result of uh, of the warrant that was out for him. And he went to trial today uh, as a result of that. So this disorderly conduct charge went to trial. I went down there with Pete uh, from uh, the Liberty on Tour. Went down. Uh, I brought my video camera, so I've got the footage of the trial. I haven't had a chance to offload it or upload it. But when it's ready, it'll be uh, viewable over at freekeen.com. And Jim seemed to have a good time during the trial. He was asking all kinds of questions that they didn't like very much, but actually had one of his objections sustained by the judge, which was kind of a, a, a shocking surprise. The, uh, the the government people tried to utilize YouTube videos that they downloaded from, what was it they said? They they downloaded YouTube videos from, uh, or from YouTube from a website called Free State Keen or Free Keen State. Like they didn't even get freekeen.com correct. Uh-huh. And uh, so Jim objected and he said, you know, essentially like, you need to have raw footage. These are edited videos. We don't know what what they're showing, that kind of thing. And the judge sustained his objection, which is a little, yeah, it's a little win, right? A little win. Of course, he was, was found guilty. Obje- but What was the objection based on entirely? The idea that the, the government people wanted to use our own videos, these edited YouTube videos of the, uh, the event as evidence against Jim. And Jim basically pointed out that that's not fair because it's not raw footage. I uh, it's, it's edited footage. Okay. So you don't really know what you're seeing. What if what what you're seeing in an edited video isn't necessarily what really happened, right? I mean, I think that the people in this movement are pretty honest with their editing from what I've seen, but you never really know, right? I mean, you can do so much with uh, with cameras. Yeah. So uh, so he he objected and he got that one. Uh, but nonetheless, it was very uh, very interesting. Uh, and so it was on that trip down there that um, and by the way, Jim was found guilty. Uh, the fine was suggested as seven hundred fifty dollars. The judge made it seven hundred because Jim was in jail for four days, and in New Hampshire, you get fifty dollars credit on a fine for every day that you're in jail. So that's two hundred dollars credit. So it was seven hundred dollars was what they wanted for disorderly conduct because he was found guilty. Uh, and so the judge said that because uh, seven hundred dollars is somehow going to fix somebody having been disorderly, whatever the heck that means. The robed man decided to suspend five hundred of the seven hundred, leaving two hundred remaining, meaning the four days that he spent in jail were essentially washed out uh, as a result of that. So that paid so the four days paid the two hundred guilty, essentially time served. Yes, um, except for a five hundred dollar suspended, suspended sentence, which means that he he doesn't have to pay it unless he they, gets in some kind of trouble within right. the next year. Unless he gets hit to, with a misdemeanor or a felony yeah. or or major motor vehicle violation. So that's where it. Uh, so he walked out, and we all went out uh, went out to lunch. But it was on the uh, the trip that we were talking about Ohio because uh, one of the other gentlemen, uh, David, who was also arrested at that same occasion, uh, was was traveling with us to support Jim today. And he's from Ohio, and he was just talking about some of the cities there and how they've lost a significant amount of population. It's not just Detroit, uh, that, the rest uh, in Michigan that's uh, that's having a, t- a tough time, but uh, over in in Ohio, just just Cleveland. I think the population's gone down by like. You know, a significant percentage. He mentioned Detroit as well. He mentioned Detroit losing like half of their population. Uh, just I've crazy. heard numbers like this. I can't. Yeah, you know, I don't I mean, know if it's true or not. Right? It's just. I, an, I'm it's sure it's fun. true. I just don't know what you know. I can't. I can't say yes. Detroit has lost 
52.7% of its population. Right, and it was over decades, right? So it wasn't just yeah. like within the last few years. It was, And I can't see, um, you know, I, I, you know, what would you want to live in Detroit for at this point? At this point, all that's left is its government husk. The great school system, Mark. You want to be there for the excellent... <laughs> Uh, government school system. And that's where the AP story here comes in. Uh, the night DeMarco Harris shot and killed a woman during a robbery on a Detroit street, his parents told police knocking on their door at 2 a.m. that they didn't know where their 12-year-old was. Oh, my God. Wayne County Prosecutor Kim Worthy said that's indicative of a larger issue in Detroit where the lack of making parents accountable for their children is partly blamed on elevated truancy and dropout rates as well as a recent rash of violent crimes involving teens. Worthy has a new idea she hopes will fix the problem. Ready for this one? Jail parents for up to three days for repeatedly missing scheduled parent-teacher conferences. Oh, my. Worthy told reporters, I've seen that younger and younger children are committing more violent acts, and we need to look at different approaches. I know we need to try something different. We should not have to legislate this, but what we've been doing is not working. She's still working on the details, but once her proposal is finished, she hopes to present it to the county commissioners in August and persuade them to approve the ordinance. After that, she may take it to state legislators in Lansing. Because, you know, one idea at one at the local level is a better idea when implemented by the mm, central government. Yeah. Uh, so uh, after that, she may take it to state legislatures. It's unlikely to quickly become an ordinance because it would probably be challenged in court because civil libertarians say it may be outside the law. Even some teachers who often spend several hours waiting for parents who don't show up for the conferences are skeptical. I understand the prosecutor's concern, but jail time, said a Detroit middle school teacher. She, uh, I guess the uh, the woman who came up with the idea, first considered her proposal after a spate of shootings involving students that culminated in the June 2009 wounding of seven teens at a city bus stop. The DeMarco Harris trial convinced her she was on the right track. He'd been <laughs> in and out of school a lot, and his parents rarely met with his teachers. Then came August 1st, 2009, when authorities were investigating a killing. When police went to his parents, his parents weren't able to account for his whereabouts, and it was about 2 in the it morning. It is amazing to me that... Uh, Somebody wouldn't know where their 12-year-old is at 2 o'clock in the morning. I, I've got to say, these parents parents apparently parent in an entirely different fashion than mine did and mm-hmm. that I would. Uh, Harris, who's now 13, is convicted of uh, was convicted of pa- killing 24-year-old Trisha Babcock. He was sentenced to high-security juvenile lockup. And she says... Uh, high-security juvenile lockup. Does that mean that he's going to get out when he's 18? I don't know what that means. Wow. Under her plan, Wayne County parents would be required to pick a time and day to attend one parent-teacher conference per year. If that conference is missed, the school would send out a letter to set up another within 14 days. If the second is missed, parents get a letter about sanctions, which could include up to three days in jail. Well, and, if you want to send your kid to their system, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, this is what you get. You know, I don't, I don't even. <laughs> I, mean, I guess I'm so jaded about the public school system that all I can come up with is good. This is what you get, right? I mean, this is their system. This is what it's based on. When you look at the government school system, it is based on violence. It's based on violence at the funding level and that if you don't pay for property taxes, they will come and steal your house from you and kick your family out onto the street. It's based on violence in that the uh, the truancy laws, like if you don't send the, your kids to these government schools, that they will come and they will arrest you as a parent for not uh, for not doing that. And in this case now they're just they're just taking it another step. So I don't see why everybody's so skeptical about this. I, it seems like the next logical violent step 
in a series of violent, uh, terrible steps. Wasn't there one going on in New York where essentially if parents were late dropping their kid off that they had to sit in detention for yeah, half that an was hour? That, yeah, there was that one. I mean, you know, this is... <laughs> same thing, right? So this... Uh, well, this, the same, it's not the same thing, but it's a step up from it. Yeah, well, it's a three days worth of detention in a jail instead of detention at the school. So here you go. Now, if you, you know, in Detroit, if this thing goes through, and I see no reason why it won't, uh, that uh, that uh, parents that don't go to the scheduled yearly parent-teacher conference will go to jail. And, of course, when the parents go to jail, well, what will that result in? Because that will result likely in those parents uh, being investigated by CPS yeah. or DCF or whatever they're Could called. Could be a loss of a job. Um, yeah. Remember that some of these parents uh, don't have cars. I mean, right. it's not the easiest thing in the world to get to a parent-teacher conference. Some of them have jobs where they, you know, it's a hardship to leave the the, sure. the job because you don't get paid for that day at work. Right. So you've got all that, and then uh, if the parent loses their job or gets into gets into even deeper trouble with CPS, then the kids get stolen from their parents, and as bad as their parents might be, the foster system in Detroit. Are you going to tell me that's a great thing? That's a good thing for kids. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Stouffer's. Let's Fix Dinner. Find dinner ideas to bring your family together at the table at letsfixdinner.com. Juggling schedules so that everyone eats together can be tough. Try starting with one family dinner a week, whenever you can fit it in. Take turns picking the meal and have everyone pitch in. Working together will bring your family closer, even if it is just once a week. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. what you want. Take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us over on our website at freetalklive.com. Get the archives. They're free. Just click and download. The first, uh, most recent week is right there on the front page. And if you click into the archive section, which is pretty much brand new, uh, the page has existed, but up until the last few weeks, there hasn't really been anything there. But then all of a sudden, our wonderful programming gurus have just loaded the archives page up full of stuff, going all the way back to 2006. Please, see if you can find another nationally syndicated radio program that offers you archives going back that far for free. We've got it. It's all free. Freetalklive.com. Do you like your talk radio, radio to yell bombastic slogans? Do you like to hear words like bombastic used in a sentence? Can you order Lysander Spooner? Peter Kropotkin, Emma Goldman, and Murray Rothbard by Rothbard Rothbard by. Is that that caffeine you drank earlier today? I really got messed up by that coke I had earlier today. Maybe you should just you know get on a twelve step plan or something. Yeah, I I would have to admit that I have a problem. Anyway, so what about all these authors? Okay, yeah, Lysander Spooner, uh, Peter Kropotkin, Emma Goldman, and Murray Rothbard by beard beard length. I bet Emma Goldman is the end of that uh, that category. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then Thinking Liberty is a show for you. Thinking Liberty is an, the audio broadcast that turns listeners into DHS certified extremists. Tune in live Tuesday <laughs> at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern or pick up the podcast at thinkingliberty.net. If you pick up the podcast, then you can listen to Free Talk Live in its entirety. It's thinkinglibertynet All right, 800-259-9231. Let's keep talking about this school thing, because there's, there's more to the story. They, they actually get into some detail about what other places have done, because the proposal on the table right now 
uh, in Detroit and uh, may spread beyond just Detroit to the, the entire state of Michigan, is that if you've got a, a child in the government schools, mistake number one, if you've got a child in the government schools and they have a parent-teacher conference and you don't go, three days in jail, buddy. That's the proposal right now because, well, we all know that jail, threats of jail make people behave better. Oh, no, there's not really much evidence, uh, I don't think, uh, to, to support that. It's actually social ostracism uh, that, uh, that I think really keeps people on the, the up and up for the most part. But nonetheless, let's see what else they have to say for themselves here, these uh, government bureaucrats. Parents with health concerns and those whose children are performing above average could be exempt. And uh, the bureaucrat in charge says, I'm not interested in putting parents in jail if their children are high achievers. So <laughs> then you get a pass. But if your kids are struggling or maybe, for instance, they, uh, they, they have a, a tough time in the government schools because the government schools aren't challenging them. So perhaps they're acting out. I mean, this is a common story, right? The kids they commonly uh, attach the term ADD to are really just really smart kids. A lot of them are very brilliant and they are far more brilliant than the, the curriculum that they're being uh, presented with the kids could be dumb too, but uh, too. The, the, the 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 parents or the teachers aren't necessarily engaging them. Yeah, well, the teachers could be dumb. <laughs> that doesn't help things out either. So there's all kinds of reasons why uh, smart kids could be failing at at government school. I've seen it. Nonetheless, currently attendance at parent teacher conferences is not mandatory, and Worthy's plan may be challenged because it could infringe on a parent's civil rights. Uh, although you'd almost think so. The uh, Carrie Moss, the executive director of ACLU of Michigan, says a criminal justice solution is not the answer to complicated social problems. The last thing many families in dire situations need. It is, need. however, an easy solution to well violence. So, I mean, that's what people do, right? That's their that's in many cases their first thought is well. Yeah. How can we force people into behaving the way we? How want How can them I to? beat them into submission? And that's really what the government does. The last thing they want. That's all in, they got. The last thing these families need in dire situations is more punishment by the criminal justice community. There's established law already that governs child abuse and neglect. And that sets up the standard for involvement by the government in the family's affairs, which, of course, I don't support any government people getting involved in anyone's affairs. But nonetheless, there doesn't appear to be any existing legislation similar to what Worthy wants. She didn't know of any, and the National Conference of State Legislatures, which tracks those laws, also did not. However, similar proposals in Texas and Kentucky have failed. Uh, the Republican Kentucky State Representative submitted a bill last year that didn't make it out of committee. It would have required parents to attend at least one conference with teachers for, a, for each child in school, and failure to do so would have meant a $50 fine. Of course, what's the $50 fine backed up by? Well, if you don't pay the $50 fine, you go to jail. Right. Here in New Hampshire, it's so a night in jail. That's really, um, that, that's just a law set against poor people. Koenig, that's correct. Uh, Koenig said, as many laws are, Mark, uh, many laws out there uh, essentially supposedly to help people are really just punishments to uh, to hurt the poor, protect them from themselves, you know, protect them from actually creating wealth for themselves, that kind of thing. Uh, Republican. So uh, I wanted to get parental involvement with the schools and more attention, said that bureaucrat. There's a reluctance to fine parents who are often viewed as too busy. I'm of the opinion that there's a lot of people who've paid taxes to have these kids learn. Parents have some responsibility. See, there are all these people out there, Mark, who have paid taxes for to send your kids to these government schools to get them indoctrinated and damn it. You will send them there. Yeah, you'll send them, and you'll come to our little parent-teacher conference and, 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 you know, play along with this game. It's for the good of the community, Mark. Don't you care about the community? These are our children we're talking about. Yeah. This is our education system. How can you just 
just throw it all out the window. You know, I, I, this is this piece of legislation is so far gone from reality that I have a difficult time dealing with it. Um, I mean, it, it seems to me that the government sets up an education system that, in fact, divorces people from the responsibility of educating their children in the first place, and then these legislators want to use force um, in the form of a cold jail cell or fines, which will, you know, at some point or another, result in jail cells in order to get you to pay attention again. So they tell you, no, no, don't worry, we'll take care of your kid from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. We've got them. You don't have to think about it at all. But if you don't show up for our you know, once-a-year parent-teacher conference, we'll give you another shot. But if you don't make it then, then off to jail you go. Now, this is this next... Likely this will, be, um, this will be ended up using against the socio-ethnic groups that trust the government the least, that, get the, you know, that are treated the worst by the government. This is, this is a terrible idea. These kids, Mark, they're not stupid. You know, they may have been poorly educated by the government system, but they're not stupid. Listen to this sentence. Making sure Detroit students make it to school and stay there through the end of the day has long been a problem. The average student the average student in the detroit school system missed 46 days of school last year holy cow yeah the average student missed 46 days that's a huge amount of the uh, the school yeah that's a month and a half's worth of just school day straight right that's a lot of time and so does that mean the kids are bad does that mean the kids are just, there's a behavior problem here. These children are... We have the worst kids in America here in Detroit. No. 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 That's not it. The, the, the kids in Detroit aren't any different from the kids in uh, Bolivia, from the kids in Sweden, from the kids anywhere else. It's that they know school sucks. These government schools are awful, and they want to be anywhere else but there. The average student. The average student missing 46 days. It's incredible. <laughs> that, that, that's your indicator that you have a crap school system. It is awful. These kids can't, they, they, they want to get out of there. And now you're going to force their parents and force them. And let's just use some more force. That'll make things better. Uh, more coming up. This is Free Talk Live at 800-259-9231. You bring up anything, take control. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything by dialing in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. We're talking about ludicrous, uh, mindless enforcement policies behind the government school system here. We'll continue that. Also, I want to invite you to our webcam. You can go to cam.freetalklive.com. You can watch and listen to the show. Head over to cam.freetalklive.com, and you can also interact because our chat room is built into the same page. So watch, listen, chat with other listeners all free at cam.freetalklive.com. But it does cost money to operate these services, and thankfully, we've got great sponsors like memorydealers.com who are stepping up, and uh, memorydealers.com is the sponsor for the webcam. You can visit them at memorydealers.com to learn about uh, their selection of the world's largest uh, selection, that is, of the discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, 
XFP's Zenpax NX2s, they're 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. In stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. Go to MemoryDealers.com as we continue with uh, with uh, the story here from the Associated Press about the Detroit school system where 46 days is how many days the average student missed in the last school year in Detroit. Now, did a little uh, number crunching there. 180 days tends to be the length of a school year, and uh, so that means you that... You wouldn't want the teachers to have to work too hard, right? The average student... Misses one out of every four days in Detroit. It's incredible. At least one day a week. So uh, there's a couple. More. There's a couple of ways that the, your average uh, statist Republican or Democrat out there is approaching this in their mind. They're saying one of two sort of things, right? Um, one of them would say that, well, it's because there's not enough money. We're not paying teachers as much. I think teachers should be as paid as much as doctors and engineers. After all, they're shaping the minds of the children of America. There's that that one response. And, um, of course, they, they need to have fewer kids in the classroom, and, mm-hmm. and they need to have a a technological gizmo, whether it's a laptop or laptops a for every child, iPad or something like that, then mm-hmm. that would allow them to, to learn better. And, um, of course, you know, it, it just costs a little more. Now, let's not forget that, you know, third world nations are beating the United States out on uh, standardized tests around yeah. the world. The United States has been slipping down, down, down. Well, let's not it, forget that in the past. And uh, so, therefore, it couldn't be the amount that's being spent on the students. Well, right, because the technology didn't exist in the in the past and the, and, uh, and the teachers weren't paid very the much. The third world nations are obviously, none of these things are true over there. Right. Obviously, this, the, their teachers are getting paid crap and their students don't have even access to the internet in some cases. And they still perform better on standardized tests because of something I much don't... less uh was spent on the uh, the kids 100 years ago than was uh, today even you go back 50 years ago per pupil the amount spent uh was uh, far lower and the kids were better educated so it's nonsense that they need more money but that's always what they come back with mark you're right well, there's another time. response too um there's the, the there's the sort of rigid homogeny response which is if we would you know it's it's because kids these days are messed up and it's you know they 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 got their minds on uh, uh, rock and games. roll or whatever yeah. and that that uh, mistress gogo or whatever her name What's is that? Uh, there's a lady, lady Gaga, Lady Gaga, right? That, that's her. That's her. <laughs> um, and uh, you know that if we just put them in uniforms, march them around on the football right. field over and over again, make them do push-ups, kick them and yell at them, then we will suddenly. Boot camp. Yeah, I, that, that's what some people think. They mm-hmm. think that you can, you can, with uniforms and all this other stuff, you'll take care of the problem. Destroy that, their individuality, and then you'll have good children. Yep. Right. Uh, but there's more here from the Associated Press. Uh, so after revealing that the average student in Detroit missed 46 days in the last school year, were these office, this is the government bureaucrat that is proposing jailing parents who don't go to parent-teacher conferences when they're called, Worthy's office penalizes parents and guardians for school truancy, but by the time prosecutors get involved, large chunks of classroom time have already been missed. Hundreds of cases are reviewed each year, but only 50 or so result in prosecution. Educational neglect is a misdemeanor that carries up to 90 days in jail and a fine for parents. Older students could end up in juvenile court. Derek Muhammad, who has a son in high school, has never attended a conference with a teacher, saying it's hard to find time while working. 
The 40-year-old said it's also up to students. <laughs> got to pay those property taxes. Yeah. That, I mean, half of your property taxes in most communities, it, it, thereabouts, go to educating these kids. And, How are you supposed to have time for or anything Or not educating else? them or whatever it is that they're doing in there. I can tell Teaching you that my tenants, fight and cuss. my tenants can barely pay the, the, the rent, man. And, and most of their rent is pretty much property taxes. So in, uh, in in this town, it's yeah. uh, you know you're on your house. It's basically six thousand dollars a year. What's yeah. that? Five hundred dollars? Approximately four thousand of that is uh, is going to the, the school. Yeah. So uh, so according to the story here, he says that the forty year old said it's also up to students to understand what's required of them in terms of school achievement and positive behavior. Anytime you're talking about a penalty that will take away the parent from the child who already is in trouble, then you've got a very dangerous outcome, mm-hmm. said Muhammad, a motivational speaker. He says there's anger from the student. A motivational speaker who has not been to one of his child's uh, parent-teacher conferences. Right. But, well, I mean, can you imagine what these are like, right? I mean, if you happen to go to one of these pe- uh, teach- teacher conferences and the teacher's just one of those shiftless uh, losers that's not one of the best teachers in the school, then you've really wasted your time, right? Well, how often is going to one of these parent-teacher conferences in any way useful? I do wonder, when you're talking about high school and stuff, what does meeting with, say, their homeroom teacher give you? When I was in high school, my homeroom teacher, I, I went to one class of hers in four years, and I don't really feel that she had any grasp of what my education <laughs> was like. When I, I, don't know what it, I don't know what it's like in uh, public schools around the nation. I went to a private school from kindergarten through eighth grade, and I think those teachers had a pretty good grasp of what my education was like, and I was doing much better in them, too. So uh, the motivational speaker points out, and I think accurately, he says there's anger from the student, time away from the parent, and hostility toward whatever caused that. And that's the school system. So caught in the middle are teachers who want to help students succeed but struggle to compel parents the same, to have the same interest. Former special ed teacher Emily Williams says it was disheartening when three out of 15 parents would attend meetings. Sometimes I would call home. Sometimes the phone was cut off. If you send a letter home, sometimes it wouldn't get to the parents, she said. Instead of jailing parents, Williams suggests Worthy give them community service. Uh, She says a lot of homes are headed by single parents. If mama's not coming home, who is going to watch the kids? Even the teacher gets this one. Mm, Sure. Yeah. What are you going to do? The I, foster I suppose if, system at, will at watch that point, them, right? Um, at that point, you could take the kids with you to the parent-teacher conference. So you've got a, a brood of five there, mm-hmm. um, you know, pulling at your hair while you're – there's no point in even being there practically. Who is going to watch the kids? The foster system, right? Right? Because if a parent is taken into a jail cell for 90 days, as they are here, as they point out, like it's crazy. They, they prosecute 50 uh, sets of parents every single year uh, for this. Just for, as a for truancy, just to uh, you know, just to have fifty prosecuted so they can point at them from the last year. Is that I I don't know. That's just the numbers. And so, what happens to those kids in the meantime? They they end up under government custody, unless there's some other person that can step up and take care of them. And if they're in government custody, I think we all know what happens in those cases, right? What Nothing what could good. happen? What not, could happen? Not much good. Well, there may be some good foster parents out there, Mark. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to say there aren't good foster parents. But the problem comes in when you get the foster parent that, you know, has a taste for uh, little kill, uh, little children or that or they, they have, have a taste for beating of, little children. Or they have several foster children and, uh, you know, some of them have been in the system for a very long time. They've got very twisted minds. Mm-hmm. They're you know, hurting all, each other. all kinds of stories in, in the situation. I mean, in many cases, foster parents have foster kids as a job. Right, and it's an so income source. Yeah, and, and I'm not saying this is true of all of them. Certainly, it's not. How about the ones that lock them in cages and starve them to death? It's happened. I think that's uh, probably that's pretty rare, but the, still yeah, rare. Still, the incentives are a little screwy when it comes to the foster care system. As you're pointing out, you take on a foster care kid and you get uh, a check 
and uh, the incentive of somebody who might be uh, smoking crack would be to spend the check on crack rather than spend it on the kids. That's just one example of how the incentives are a little screwy. 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Now, of course, in a private education marketplace, if a child is not up to spec, if they're not attending as they should be, then they can just cancel the contract. Say, we don't want your kid here anymore. Right, then you won't have the lowest common denominator dragging it down for everybody to the point that nobody wants to come anymore anyway. But also, if you've got a private education system, uh, homeschooling, etc., then the kids will be interested and they'll be more likely to show up in the first place because school won't suck anymore. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want, take control of the airwaves, and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. And inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. And if you like all the features on the site that we give away, which is the whole site, you enjoy it free. Uh, If you enjoy the fact that we give you the archives and the chat room and everything there, it's all on the house, then you can voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. You'll help Free Talk Live and some of the other great shows over at lrn.fm get on uh, other radio stations and and get into other people's ears around the world. So head on over to amp.freetalklive.com to get signed up. You can use any major credit card, PayPal, some alternative options, and your three bucks a month makes a big difference for us. So thank you for that if you are doing it. If you are yet to do it, uh, thanks in advance. Go to amp.freetalklive.com and jump on board. As we go to your phone calls, Siege is on the line in Minnesota. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. Siege? How you doing, guys? Hey, did I get it right? Yeah. Oh, great. What's on your mind tonight, Siege? Nothing. I just got a, a funny a letter that gave me a little laugh from the IRS today. Oh, boy. That's unusual. Yeah. Fun stuff. Um, it says, I did not file for the year 2008. And um, it asked me, or it tells me what I should do. If you have not filed this tax return, please do the following. Prepare your tax return. Please. Oh, no, wait, wait. I'd just like, to, just like to point out, they're, they're saying oh, it's please, right? So they're just making a suggestion here. Oh, absolutely. Right. After that, you need to sign the return. And then attach your payment and any tax due, and we'll bill you for any interest and penalties. Mm-hmm. That's nice. If you cannot pay the entire amount when you file this tax return, please do the following. Send as large a payment as you can. <laughs> Contact us and make arrangements to, pay, arrangements to pay the balance. Yeah, they're willing to work with you. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure they're very friendly, too. Um, yeah, once you're giving, I'm friendly, too, when you're giving me cash. Yeah, me too. Um, towards the bottom, it tells you um, if you were, you know, what to do if you were owed a refund. I mean, it's at the bottom of the page, which tells you which is most important. Yes, the most important part of giving them money. That's what the, that's what this whole arrangement's about. Absolutely. 
Um, other than that, I just wanted to say uh, thank you guys for doing so 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 much for uh, the radio world. And, whoa, 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 well, thank you for that. But what are you going to do? I'm going to tear it up and throw it away. <laughs> That's excellent. Now, uh, was 2008 the first year that you stopped sending them paperwork? I can't remember when it was that I stopped. Really? So it could have been before that is what you're saying? It may very well have been. Got it. So it's not like you uh, you stopped uh, in uh, 08 and started again in 09. You just you haven't done it since whatever the date. Yep, I just uh, I stopped through the BS and uh, I was just like forget about it. Well, I say uh, good luck to you, sir, because uh, they are. Do you have a regular job or do you work for yourself? I do have a regular job. How did you get this to happen? How did uh, did they stop withholding for you? What's your situation? I I actually. Like a fool, I signed the W-2 form, but... So, wait a minute. So, so what you're saying is that uh, the job you're working for is actually withholding taxes and sending it to the uh, the IRS? Nope, nope. They, I, I put exempt on there. So, so that's all it took, was you put exempt on and they just give you your whole paycheck, except for, wait, did, are they still taking Social Security and uh, Medicaid? Unfortunately. I see. Okay. So you do- I always wondered about that. I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know how this operates. I've never done that uh, particular trick before. Very interesting. I-, I wonder if there's a way to get them to stop taking Social Security. I mean, we found out, Mark, you and I found out uh, through one of the activists down in Florida that the, uh, the Social Security people, you know, it's basically a voluntary program, uh, but everybody just kind of jumps on board with it, especially the corporations and things like that. I would love to hear from somebody tonight who has actually, or whenever you can call in, uh, who has actually done this, who who is working at a job. Is it a corporate job or like a mom and pop? No, it's corporate. Corporate job. So somebody who's working at a corporate job that has actually successfully managed to get zeros in their section of the uh, Social Security withholding. Is that possible? And if so, a- how'd you do it? I do have a friend who was able to uh, able to get all of it back, but he wanted to run for a city council job or position, and he ended up sending it back and filing a regular one, mm. a regular return. Interesting, interesting. Well, let us know what happens, will you, as your uh, odyssey here with the IRS. Hopefully it won't continue, but if it does continue, will you let us know? Absolutely. All right, man. Hey, and are you coming out to New Hampshire? Because there's a lot of other folks out here that are not paying the federal gang, and I'm sure they'd appreciate the backup. I would absolutely love to. I'm going to need a couple of years. I just had a baby, and uh, Grandma and Grandpa are very excited at the you know sure. at the new, at the grandson. So. All right. Well, bring the whole family out, and thanks for the call. I appreciate hearing from you, and good luck. 800-259-9231. You need it when you're dealing with a violent gang that is unpredictable, and uh, you never know what they're going to do. So you, are they going to go after him? Are they going to pursue this? Uh, I think it's a good move on his part to just ignore them. It's probably a better move than perhaps writing them back and saying who knows what to them and revealing whatever information. And well, It's never a good thing. If them. you're not going to pay, writing them back doesn't, doesn't make much sense to yeah. me. I would agree with that much. All right, so uh, we will continue here uh, with your calls. 800-259-9231. Ryan in Washington. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ryan. Hey, guys. You guys have been having a great discussion about intellectual property um, recently. At the risk of beating a dead horse, I thought I would call in and add my thoughts. People love to beat this dead horse. Go right ahead. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> We're here I for you. I think that there's room for intellectual property in a voluntary society, and I think it's done through contracts. Um, mm-hmm. You can create... You know, when you visit a website, especially like a corporate website, you'll find that often they have a terms of service section on their website. 
where Which they stop I don't know about it. you, but it's pretty rare that I'll actually read those. I'll read those when I'm dealing with like something serious business related that is pretty important to me. But for the most part, this, those are like throwaway. Oh yeah, I know. I never bothered to read them either. But they could form the basis, uh, you know, for in particular their website distribution model uh, of a voluntary copyright system where you simply include as part of your terms of service. You know, you agree to recognize. Uh, my concept of, you know, my intellectual property and abide by, you know, such and such terms as I set out. You can only use it for personal use or, or whatever you, you know, decide for those to be. Now, admittedly, practically speaking, uh, you know, prosecuting it for an arbitrator may be difficult since it would be difficult to prove that they obtained the content through the website. But Sure, sure. You know, what I if think... I sign the, uh, the contract and then my little brother decides that he's going to take the CD and go send that to all of his, uh, his friends or whatever? You know, precisely. How and do you control so, I mean, it past yourself? You can't. You know, it's it's not foolproof. I think actually the weakness is a strength because I think the the present implementation of the idea of intellectual property, especially with copyrights and patents, um, you know, is way overbearing. And I think that weakness would lead to you know it only being attempted to be enforced in especially egregious cases yeah. where. You know, like the DVD stamping operations that, that they're always complained about overseas, where, whereby pirates will actually stamp their own DVDs that are often better quality than the studio DVDs and release them that way. How could so, that you know, be? That how could it be that the pirate? Where, D- how could it be the pirate DVD is a better quality copy than the studio release? Well, it's not necessarily just the quality, but you think about a studio release. You pop it into the DVD player, and they've organized all the consortiums and stuff. To, to to where if you make a DVD player, you have to abide by certain rules again through contracts, and you know one of those rules is that if they make a no, non-skippable section, mm. your DVD player is not allowed to skip it. So you have to so watch the stupid a, uh, pro- yeah. promos and stuff like that. That is annoying. Exactly the promos and stuff like that, so especially the government threat. I have to watch uh, through a th- some threat every single time <laughs> before yeah, I see a movie time, in in several languages threat. sometimes. Yeah, and so the pirated DVDs have the same quality video as the studio releases, but they're missing all of that crap. Oh, <laughs> you put okay. it in a place. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, you convinced me. Um, you know, I don't <laughs> so know I, what the world, what the world of IP would look like in um, in a world where uh, you know coercive governments didn't exist any longer. That it was all sort of these voluntary governments that people could choose between and, and that kind of thing. I don't know. I do think that people like the idea of intellectual property to some extent or another, but it reminds me of this uh, this article I read today. Uh, Stephen Kinsella has been working on it, and it's, it's got in it a quote that – so I won't be giving anything away here, but uh, it's a quote from John Hosnes and uh, his uh, article, The Myth of the Rule of Law. And he says in it, um, he's referring to something slightly different. So if I, um, if it, it sounds like it's going off the rails, just uh, forgive me. It says, "What would a free market in legal services look like?" And he, and and John Hosnes continues, "I'm always tempted to give It'd the be most, cheaper. I'm always tempted to give the most honest and accurate response to this challenge, which is to ask the question: Is to miss the point? If human beings had the wisdom and knowledge generating mm. capacity to be able to describe how a free market would work, that would be the strongest possible argument for central planning. One advo- um, advocates a free market not because of some moral Im- imperature written across the heavens, but because it is impossible for human beings to amass the knowledge of local conditions and predictive capacity necessary to effectively organize economic relationships among millions of individuals. Hey, thanks, Ryan, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. You bring up what you want. Our three's coming up. This is Free Talk Live. 
My worst day ever? I'm waiting in this crazy line at the DMV. So I'm checking the web. Zero responses to my new resume. My 98% compatibility match now just wants to be friends. And hackers have taken over my Facebook account. I just thought, has the whole world turned against me? It's not the whole world that's turned against you. It's the Internet. Private, inaccurate, or unflattering information posted about you online can hurt your reputation, your career, and even your relationships. But now, help is available. It's called Reputation Defender. Reputation Defender controls your privacy online and manages how you look when someone Googles you. Reputation Defender continuously monitors everything about you on the web, including 40 social networks. It also removes your personal information from websites that collect and sell it, protecting your privacy. Go to MyReputation.com or call us at 877-720-6497. 877-720-6497. Use promo code BLACK for a special discount on our revolutionary service. Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231 as we launch here into the third hour of the program tonight. It's Ian. And Mark. And we invite you to our website, freetalklive.com. You get the features there free. In fact, the site actually allows you to suggest stuff for us to talk about on the air. For whatever reason you don't want to call in to talk, uh, you can find interesting items on the internet, uh, whether they be YouTube videos or or perhaps a news item or blog post, you just submit it to the website, then other listeners will get the chance to vote on it, whether they like or dislike. And then uh, the most liked make it to the front page and the top of the website, meaning we're more likely to talk about them. In fact, I've got some stuff like that here uh, in my show prep stack for tonight, but uh, your calls are the primary element, so we will go to those first. 800-259-9231. But you can get interactive over at freetalklive.com. We start out with Jeff in Texas. Jeff, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. I just kind of wanted to talk about my experience with not paying taxes and then getting slammed with paying lots of taxes. Oh, no. What happened? Well, back in 2001, I was working for a uh, little startup internet company and was totally interested in, you know, freedom and the constitutionality of the tax laws and all that stuff. And, you know, if you read the law, you determine, yeah, they don't really have a right to do this. So I was actually able to convince my boss to stop doing the withholding. Awesome. Now, he wasn't actually going to stop the Social Security and Medicare and that other stuff, but at least he completely stopped the tax withholding, the sure. IRS withholding. <laughs> well, that business closed, and I became a contractor for about five years. And I found out that the contracting companies would go ahead and let you claim exempt, and you could keep all your cash. Nice. So all well and good, everything's groovy. Do that for like five years. And then I get sick of moving around the country and decide I'm going to take a permanent job. So I do that, and I'm there for about two years, and all of a sudden I get letters from And is the permanent job, point of information, is the permanent job also not withholding? No, the permanent job is withholding. Uh, so you're back on the radar now. I am totally back on the radar. Okay. And, yeah, the reason I didn't try and get these guys to not withhold is because I'd actually tried that with some other, like, normal companies, you know, big-sized companies rather than mom and pops. Right, and they don't even want to hire you when you talk like that. No, I got one job that lasted for two days, and because I was talking to HR about this, they were like, no, let him go. Yeah, we don't want this guy. <laughs> yeah, it's a troublemaker. Yeah. So, all right, so been working at the company for like two years. All of a sudden, letters from the IRS. Where so that means you term- filed, point, point of information. So they were, uh, they were, holding, they were withholding taxes, and presumably you, you filed for that first year, or you did not file? 
Oh, no, I didn't file. Ah, okay. So they were withholding taxes, sending the taxes to the IRS, and you weren't filing. Got it. So they Yeah, and paid. actually, <laughs> for those years that they were withholding the taxes and I wasn't filing, I was paying too much, of course. So they get to keep that, and they get to keep, you know, whatever interest they generate on it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's fair. So about two years after this is going on, I start getting letters from them saying, hey, where's your tax return from this year? Where's your tax return from this year? Where's your tax return from this year? Five years total comes out to about 80 grand. Whoa. And me at this point, I'm just like, I can't fight them. I've read enough about it. I see what happens. It doesn't matter if it's illegal or legal or not. It's going to go down their way. If you want to go ahead and try and tilt at windmills, go for it, right? Wasn't too interested in being Don Quixote at that point, right? Okay. So basically, I knuckle under, and I'm on a payment plan with them now. Damn it. So I've been paying these wonderful, wonderful people for a year now. I've got two more years left, maybe a year if I'm lucky. And then they're all paid off. And while I'm signed up as, you know, a member or for the Free State Project when it hits a 20K, mm-hmm. I'm still thinking about taking the, I don't know if you want to call it, the wimpy way out and just completely expatriating. You mean like leaving uh, outside the country? Okay. Yeah, renounce citizenship, just split. And you're going to do that when? After you've paid off the IRS or before? I would do it afterwards just because I know that they'll come after you anywhere in the world. I mean, look at what happened with the uh, Swiss so, banks, right? right? Now, um, here, I, this this particular attack I don't entirely understand. Yes, our violent gang um, is, you know, not the greatest violent gang in the world. But what makes you think that going – why would you want to go pay some other violent gang, which is, you know, some other government? There are other governments that take way less in income taxes. I mean, if I could really, like – but the tax and burdens I, I, tend to be similar, if not more. I, I'm think? not so sure about that. I mean, I, I read a great quote from, I think it was the king or prince of Liechtenstein, who said something like, a 3% tax on income, anything more than that, is tyranny. Which makes me want to just go, you know what, I'm going to swear felty to you. Hail you can be to my the king! king. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know... I always thought Liechtenstein would make a would make would have made a good place because you know it's not too far. For, they, they can probably speak mostly English there, and but you know once they find out too many people are moving, then they just shut it all down. And um, anyway, if a, a bunch of Free State Project activists move to one one particular place, I can't say I blame. Uh, I can't say I blame you, man. I mean that's that's a real bummer what happened to you, and I wouldn't blame you at all for wanting to get the hell out. Well, the good thing is it's like. I, I totally live beneath my means, so it's like my quality of life has not suffered, even though they're taking basically one out of my two paychecks a month. Jeez. So I, w- I would urge everybody to live way below your means, right? But I don't know. It makes me think a benevolent dictator is way better than our lovely democracy, where I'm sorry, but the masses are not exactly benevolent. I you know, don't Hon- agree with Hon- you. Hon- Hon- a, book a... was great about that. Which, which one? Uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe, I yeah. hope I'm saying that right, the democracy, the god that failed. Hoppy. Yep, yep, that's the guy that, uh, that made the comparison, right, between democracy and monarchy and points out that if, if you've got a decent king, it's better than, than democracy. Yeah, and I mean, you know, growing up here, it's like kind of weird to, to get wrap your head around that, but when you really think about it and see how it works out, it's kind of true. If you're not going to be part of the oligarchy, then just support the oligarch who has, you know, the benevolent one. And at least then you've always got a focus for revolution when you get the one that's not benevolent. So, well, I, 
I, I, you know, it's a tough choice that you're you're dealing with, right? I mean, do you come join the Liberty Movement in New Hampshire, as uh, burgeoning as exciting as it might be, and continue to pay the man, or uh, do you just go out uh, to the to the wild of the wor- rest of the world and see how things go? Yeah, exactly. And I, I love what you do, Ian. It's like, and I I hope everything works out great for you. And I just love the fact that you're working for yourself, so that. Hopefully that means because like one of my biggest decisions to go ahead and pay them is that I knew if I didn't, they're just going to take it anyway. They're going to jack the bank account. Yeah, they're going to. And I actually had, I had the state of California do that. Really? Yeah, they jacked the bank account. Oh, this was beautiful though. They took almost all the money that was in there, right? And then I tried to contact the Social Security Administration and find out, hey, how much had I paid them during these years? Social Security Administration couldn't provide that information. And so after going back and forth for months with these bureaucrats in California, <laughs> I find out that they'll just assume you paid a certain amount, right? So I actually don't think that I did pay this amount, but they assumed I did. And I got, like, almost all of my money back except for, like, the $200 they charged me to take out the money and put it back in. Crazy. So, so you can fight sometimes. You can win sometimes. But, I mean, you're up against people with unlimited resources, so... You know, you really got I would get in battle. touch with Mark Stevens uh, in the case of something like this coming up again. Uh, he has actually dealt with some of these tax bureaucrats and asked them a bunch of questions over the phone that they didn't like to answer very much. I don't know exactly what his success stories have been, uh, but uh, Mark Stevens, I think, would be someone I would turn to in a, in a situation like this to say. But a lot of know, times you'll you find this? an activist like uh, this gentleman here who has essentially shot their wad, you know, and they, they need something to, uh, come, to, to come and make them feel better about it. Because, I mean, you know, he, he, had, <laughs> he didn't pay taxes for a long time, and the government came and just beat the crap out of him. I and mean, he's paying $80,000 off. And I, I totally agree that Mark Stevens might be able to help, but. No, I don't he mean needs, now. I he mean, needs his batteries recharged. I'm not talking about. I'm, I'm not talking about Jeff. I'm talking about others listening that uh, might get into a similar situation. Uh, I would. I would. Re- I would talk to Mark and you know see if we could consult with him or something like that. Uh, to, to, you know, he will give you some good questions to ask that kind of thing. Anything else you want to share tonight? Uh, I just one other question. Yes, Jeff. You had something uh, posted on the the front page of your website about the FCC ruling that the laws against dropping like the f bomb on the air. Or- not constitutional. Uh, well, right. There are the uh, the indecency. Uh, it was the inf- the fleeting the expletive. fleeting expletive. Yes. Right. So it's still it's still uh, the FCC's rules about indecency and obscenity still stand, uh, but the fleeting expletive is not a big problem anymore. It looked like they had forty five days to appeal the decision. Yes, so, I don't so think they've they done that yet. Have they? If they don't appeal. Can I call in and be the first guy to drop the F-bomb yeah, and not we'll get still, disconnected? We'll still dump you. We'll still I dump thank you. you for the call, though. I appreciate <laughs> hearing from you at 800-259-9231 because I don't want to upset the uh, the stations. Free Talk Live offers a higher level of service than the FCC requires. We can bring up what you, or you can bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zempax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com Live, you can bring up what you want. Dial in toll free. Take control of the airwaves. 800 259 9231. 
The number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. And joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features there like our listening options. We've got live streams. We've got a webcam. Listen lines that allow you to call in from any phone that can dial long distance. Plus, we've got our satellite uh, feed now as well. All the details are there at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. From creating new and old media to political action to civil disobedience and market-based activism, you'll find more pro-liberty activism than you may have ever imagined possible when you move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. Learn more at freestateproject.org. That's Free State Project. Org. Let's go to the phones and the fun. Ryan listening in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Ryan. Hey, guys. Um, I'm calling in once more to, to discuss my, my doubts about liberty. It's, uh, it's, a crazy, it's a crazy thing. Yeah, it's really but, uh, crazy to like not support the ideas of peace. I agree with you. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, well, okay. First off, let's, let's, let's just say this. Um, I think... All of us agree on way more than we disagree on, so that's a start there. But uh, I had this—I was just thinking about corporations, and I was thinking about power, and I was thinking about where I got into the ideas of liberty from, and it was from a place of distrust of power. Mm-hmm. And um, I see corporations in particular as being an area that uh, that power is being aggregated to people in search of it. Sure, I agree with and, you completely. I mean, a corporation is a uh, essentially a legal fiction created by the government people to protect their buddies in industry. So I'm a completely opposed. Big corporations, opposed. big government. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm completely opposed to uh, the concept of the corporation as it really and, is nothing more than a, a government protection uh, for people in industry. And I'm absolutely with you on that. But where we diverge, maybe, is that I feel like in the in the time as we are look, in a world looking at uh, the structures that we have in place now, it's wrong to oppose limits on these corporations on a liberty basis, because in many cases, the limits on these corporations that governments are imposing are increasing freedom of the individual person outside of those corporations. What limits would you be referring to? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, for instance, uh, regulation of the financial institution. I'm and sorry, you're that, talking about what, what banks can and can't get into and reserve well, levels. That's and, a really uh, tough scenario. I mean, you're, you're not just talking about corporations there. You're talking about corporations that essentially have bought a franchise in the United States government's Federal Reserve System, if you're talking about United States banks, and I assume you are. So yeah, absolutely. You're and, talking uh, about a very I, I, I make, different I use those scenario. Because that's absolutely the clearest example of um, why regulations on them from governmental agencies actually are, are good for the vast majority of people in America as far as freedom goes. Well, I don't know that, that, I don't know that that's true, um, and I don't know it, that you can prove it. It branches out from there and gets a little more watery. I don't know that that's true. I feel it's the case. I don't know that that's true, and I don't know that you can prove it, um, because the fact is those regulations are written by those people in power that you distrust, And right? I can't hear you. Oh, well. You can't hear I don't know what, that, he keeps having this problem with his phone when he calls in. Can where you hear we now? Can, Perhaps he'll come back. We can hear everything that he says, but he can't hear what we're saying. Tell you what, we'll just put him on hold. And no. we'll talk about, uh, let's put him on hold. Can you hear me? Uh, let's put him on hold okay. and talk about regulations, because there's this mystique that surrounds regulations. Like, ooh, 
the government people are out there writing all these rules for those naughty people in corporations, which, by the way, the government is a corporation, too. It's yeah, all and, legal fiction. And, the, and these, these people, cha- the government um, changes hands with the lobbyist organizations for these corporations. I mean, it's the same people. They move back and forth oh, all over but, the place. But don't worry. Don't worry, because they're going to write these rules that are going to really teach those corporate guys a lesson, and they're really going to keep the people safe. And they're going to increase freedom for everybody, right? That's what he was suggesting. Like these, uh, you know, these rule changes—they help people within the system. They help people. I understand that they're getting rid of corporations. That's great. We agree on that. But right now, the regulations are good. And this is the same thing that he called in with the last time. It was about uh, what, what was it—the environment or something like that? I don't really recall. But uh, the same—the same kind of uh, message that well, freedom sounds fine, but in the meantime, we need government for this and this and this. So right. we well, you need can't, regulations. You can't grow government. You can't grow your way to. A government, um, you can't grow government on the way to freedom because that's not going to work yeah. unless you want government to become so arduous and terrible that people rise up in revolution and destroy it. And you think that you think that somehow that is going to result in freedom. But I think that's a backwards way to look at uh, the ideas of liberty. And I think advocating something that is opposing to what you really want is disingenuous and maybe even evil. The part, you, the part that Ryan is missing about uh, regulations of corporations is that the more regulations are created, typically corporations support them. For instance, you look at the smoking uh, legislation they passed recently was heavily supported by uh, what is it, Philip Morris, I think, uh, heavily supported by them because they understand that more regulations means very little for them. They can change their uh, corporate structure. At the very structure. least, that it keeps their competition from rising up. That's my point. They can change their corporate structure and hire a few extra lawyers and do what they need to do to jump through those regulatory hoops. It's not a big cost for them. But for the newbie into the marketplace, for the person who might want to compete in that particular industry, additional regulations make it all the more arduous. It makes it more difficult to get started, and that means uh, less freedom for people because if people aren't free to start their own businesses, and that means customers aren't free to choose from other businesses that are offering similar products and services and so on. So, Ryan, you're, uh, I think you're back. We're going to give you a chance to respond to that. that. Go ahead. As far as that goes, um, but I, I think the issue is that I, what I'm looking for is a reduction in, in uh, power in the hands of, of of individual people, but that's what I'm. That's, hey, um, you're not addressing what we said. Of, then I said that these um, hmm? that these people in Washington they move back and forth from the lobbying positions to the uh, the political know, positions and, and back and, and forth. The, so they're actually the, writing their own the, regulations. Oh, dude. I'm, I'm not, and that's and that's and that's a huge problem. And, I, um, and you think you're going to change it with very, bigger government? How, how are you going to no, solve no, no, that no, no, problem? No, 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 no. I, I, it's a, I think there are areas that government is important. You mean force? Until we change human nature in a fairly fundamental way. I would agree with you on that, but it seems the the, the things that you and bring up as examples stink. Against, I, don't, I don't think it's against freedom and against liberty to say that there are areas that until we manage to change human nature in a very significant way that we're, we need to... Minimize we, the harm those that like me who do. know how everything should work, should be in control. That's what I I'm agree hearing that, from you. I You're agree on freak. issues of like murder and, and and crimes against people. But that's not what he's theft. talking about. That's well, not he's what he's not talking, talking about. about. That, but he's he's, he's using these general 90, terms. That's, that is ninety percent of what I'm talking about. What? I talk about the edges of other stuff too. But I mean, like I, we agree on that that needs to happen. What, what I hear but. from you is that I, Ryan, know what needs to happen, and just put my ilk in charge of this uh, forceful government, and then we will set things straight until human nature 
nature changes, (laughs) which, uh, when's that going to be? Right, and all that's ever going to happen is people who disagree with you, Ryan, are going to vie for the same power that you want for yourself, and they're going to use it in some manner that you don't think is uh, is good enough, and then when you get in power, then you're going to vie for that same, and you're going to use it on the things that that you want, and none of you are ever going to undo what the last person did, so then you have this giant apparatus. Yeah, and that's why I hate myself when I talk like this. Well, maybe you shouldn't hate yourself. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Maybe you shouldn't hate. Maybe you shouldn't advocate force against your neighbors. Because as long as you keep calling it with this, there's not much that we agree on, Ryan. I'm sorry. I know you say that over and over again, but I don't believe it to be I, true. I think it is. Because I, think it's I have fundamental disagreements with uh, the things that you're saying. You sound to me like somebody who wants power for himself because you know what's right. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Dial in toll-free. Take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI. 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com where the features are free. And those features include listening options and news updates. You can go to get the news updates at news.freetalklive.com. You may sign up for our email updates list or go follow our Twitter profile or our Facebook All three available to you free at news.freetalklive.com, news.freetalklive.com. We go to Ty, uh, listening in I forget where. Ty, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, uh, this is is Ty, the recovering statist from Memphis. Ah, welcome, Ty. So uh, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I wanted to uh, respond to some of the things that uh, uh, Ryan was talking about. You know, I applaud the fact that he's trying to break up these uh, unjust power structures, but I think that he, uh, again, you know, coming from my point of view, being a recovering statist, I recognize some of the language uh, that I used to use. Hmm. And uh, one of the things he said was, until we change human nature. Now, that set off alarm bells in my head, because that means trying to control others. So uh, I I think he may be coming from this uh, some weird idea of liberty, but it's not individual liberty, and it's not, you know, this idea of leave people alone and let them do, you know, as they will. Right. As uh, you know, when you're when you're looking at the marketplace, it's it, I guess it's it's looking at it sort of like this. Imagine going to the Soviet Union and talking to somebody who's not an idiot, you know, a, a smart person in the Soviet Union who really doesn't understand how, say, the marketplace worked in uh, in um, getting food to the grocery store back in in the 80s. And or, or maybe they didn't even hear that the United States existed. Like, I'm, I'm trying to come up with this fantasy world where you can uh, where people can sort of understand it. And if you tell them, look. We could just have freedom in this area. They'd be like, "Holy crap!" But what'll ha- where, where will the food come from mm-hmm. if the government doesn't tell people where to send it and how much to send it? I mean, for God's sakes, the rich will will take all the food for themselves. There'll be no rich for there'll be no food for the poor people. When in fact, the opposite is truth. 
the, the marketplace designs itself in the manner that, I mean, the poor people in this country are fat. They're not, oh, they're not skinny. Boy, are they. They're fat. <laughs> so food is getting to them. Maybe it's not the best food. Maybe it's not the food you'd like them to eat, but they're eating. They're not starving. All right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, the, the, the idea that, that you can sit there in your home or at school or on the, way, the bus on the way to work, and you can come up with this, uh, this better central plan than the marketplace can is honestly, uh, it, it's ludicrous. When you look at the facts... Ty. Ty. Yes. <laughs> that was any, your cue to start any, talking again. Any thoughts, Ty? Well, I was just thinking that, you know, that the, there you can't really approach liberty from the point of trying to change human nature. You've just got to deal with human nature. Yes. There are positive natures and there's negative parts of our of our natures. And the human you know, nature is what saves to, us. It, yeah, and and it, it's also what harms us. I mean, it's. There's a natural tendency to, you know, be territorial and mm-hmm. and to lash out violently. You know, we have to learn to be social, to, to live with others. We learn to, to, you know, how to deal with others uh, in our own best interest. Yeah, this is something so, that uh, that I, I certainly have learned over my years of becoming a voluntarist, having come from uh, being a libertarian you know, before that, or whatever a Republican I thought I was. But uh, over, over the years, understanding that uh, it's the free marketplace it's freedom it's liberty that is the best way for people's human nature to uh, to interact with one another it's the most humane way for humans for mankind as they currently stand to interact with one another right and you know and i i totally agree that there um, are big corporations in bed with the biggest corporation the united states government getting what they want from the little people however the idea that you're going to use the united states government which in which the, which is populated by people that make their money that make that that put food in their families' mouths and put and, and give them nice cars. You're gonna you're gonna use those people that are making money off of it to regulate that same sort of industry. It doesn't make any sense. It's absolutely the bass backwards kind of thinking that those people want you to think. Please yeah. use our system to control us. Well, you need to in the meantime. See, this is kind of like the siren song of power, and you can hear people like Ron Paul falling for it, too. Uh, the idea that, well, while we've got the government, it should do these things. Oh, well, I understand that ideally we shouldn't have this structure, but in the meantime, it needs to be enforcing the border, and it needs to be doing this, and it needs to be doing that. Right. And it's this kind of siren song of well i don't mind using the government to get things done but if if that's the way you feel like you should get them done but i don't think those things should be growing the government in the process you're not going to grow the government on your way to freedom it's just not going to happen so exactly getting rid of that collectivist mindset you know we we do live in a world with others so there is a we but the the we uh, has to be this idea of of an aggregate of individuals, of solid individuals. So it's the the, the group is not greater than the sum of its parts. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right. You, you you don't want to try to control others, and that's I think that's what uh, Dr. Mary Ruart. That was the main point of her book. Yeah. Was that things will be just so much better if if individuals in aggregate 
give up this idea of trying to control others. Absolutely. You have to let go of it. And you're right. And we won't get to, tr- to true freedom. We won't get to voluntary uh, interactions or a voluntary society until people are finally ready to let go of that desire to see others behave in the way they think they should behave. It doesn't behave. need to be people. People sounds like all of them. If you get a, a percentage of the population, not even a large percent, that says, you know what, hands off. Mm-hmm. Then at that point, the system just falls to pieces. This is true. <laughs> but you still need to change those people and, yes, and, 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 and let them come to these conclusions on their own, somehow influence them. I don't know what it's going to take, but get the you know, Healing Our World by Dr. Mary Ruart in their hands. That's why I just went out and bought a case of them the other day. Uh, and but get yeah get that into their hands so they learn that these uh, using force on their neighbors has unintended consequences and that in order to be truly free you must allow others to live their lives as they choose as long as they aren't harming others and and, and that's so hard for some people you know I mean just today in New Hampshire there was this anti this you know, these homophobes uh, came out to protest gay marriage and it's just one of those things. Just let people be, man. You just have to leave them alone. Otherwise, they'll never leave you alone. As long as you keep messing with people, they're going to be have the incentive to mess back. And then so you get this endless conflict between interest groups and, and belief systems and stuff like that. And, and you have to accept the fact that in liberty, there are also going to be negative outcomes from bad choices. Sure, mm. yeah. But, the, the negative outcomes are just as bad, maybe even more important. Mistakes may be even more important than success because it teaches us a greater lesson as long as it doesn't kill us. You know what I'm saying? It's just like people had this idea that capitalism or the free market is a profit system. It's not. It's a profit and loss system. And the loss teaches us more than the profit. Absolutely. You know, um, the, the thing, there, there's going to be mistakes in the, uh, in the free market, and it's true, but there's going to be mistakes um, with a, you know, a controlled market, and in the case of a free market, at least you can change your behavior. When it comes to government, um, you can't change the behavior. Look what it takes just to pass some crappy uh, you know, banking regulation uh, law that's so big that nobody can yeah. read it. You know it's going to fail. You know it can't stop the boom-bust cycle of, uh, of, of the fiat currency that we've got created. Good but they're, gonna, but they're, they're touting it with the... Burp, 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 Trumpets and saying, this is going to save us. Well, and good luck trying to repeal something that's been put into law, right? I mean, that's even more difficult. So, yeah. Ty, any if other I, thoughts? I want, to, I want to own my successes and my failures because that's part of the growing process. You know? That's, yep. that, and that's, that's pretty much the, the, the gist of what I want to get at. Well said, Ty. I appreciate it, especially the expertise, especially coming from someone who uh, recognized the language, somebody who might have held similar beliefs as uh, Ryan in the past. Hopefully that, uh, that helped get through to him somewhat. I thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. I like how Ernie Hancock has uh, he recently he's been playing the, uh, the audio clip from... What's it the the, uh, the movie with the, the movie about the Shire the uh, the Tolkien movies Lord of the Rings Lord of the Rings Lord of the Rings where you know the, the, this this well, I'm gonna use the ring for good <laughs> 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 all right more coming up take control of the airwaves even in these remaining moments at 800-259-9231. it's free talk live this program is brought to you by freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. There are only a few moments remaining. Enough time for your call. If you make it right now, 800-259-9231. SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And we give you the features on the site for free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. If you enjoy the program and you want to help support the show, you can do that by going to promote.freetalklive.com. Get a list of things you can do to get Free Talk Live on the air in your marketplace and into more ears around the world via the Internet or uh, via satellite as well. You can go to uh, promote.freetalklive.com, help people find Free Talk Live. As we continue with your calls, Travis, listening in West Virginia to WVTS. Hello, Travis. Hi. Hey, Travis, you're on the air. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, I was listening to the show the other night where you were talking about intellectual property rights. Yes, sir. And, uh, the way I took it, you all don't believe in intellectual property rights. Am I correct? Uh, Mark might have I believe some... that intellectual property rights exist. I, I just I, – I hesitate to believe that – I certainly don't believe the copyright, patent law, trademark law in the United States is very good. Um, I th- I think that uh, the marketplace could do a better job. I think that the people who cre- uh, who uh, who do creative works, who create things, uh, whether they be art or inventions or whatever, I think those people should be able to find ways to uh, monetize their creativity without using government monopoly uh, power. So I'm like, opposed to the uh, the governmental force version of intellectual property. I think that uh, people need to protect themselves on a, a voluntary basis if that's what they want to do. Uh, you all have uh, read Atlas Shrugged, right? I have not. Mark? I, uh, yes, I've read uh, Atlas Shrugged. I was just wondering, uh, what is your stance on the situation in the story? Hank Reardon had his intellectual property taken from him for the greater good. I was just wanting to know your stance on that. Yeah, um, Ayn Rand uh, generally was a big advocate of uh, intellectual property. She's an author, go figure. Um, and, you know, this is, in in this particular world, um, the things are changing as far as intellectual property goes. Ayn Rand wrote those books 50 years, 60 years ago. Um, so, you know, the, the, the world is changing in the way that... Uh, the way that it's uh, ch- changing makes uh, intellectual property it, – it's, it's putting pressure on it, and it's going to have to change too. Ayn Rand is no hero of mine. Uh, you know, she was a, certainly a great philosopher, but I, you know, I, I think that in, uh, in that case uh, – you know, I, I can't remember the story entirely, but uh, you know, if the guy should have done a better job protecting it and if he didn't protect his intellectual property, then you know, it, he lost it. Sorry. Well, it's pretty much just extorted by the government, but – yeah, I mean, I I just can't remember. It's been six years since I read Atlas Shrugged. I know for some people it's a it's a, a religious tome. For me, it, it it's not. And yeah, I guess, it's my Bible. <laughs> and I guess I would ask you this question: When, if you think about uh, property and, and intellectual property, you know, in the 14th century, some sword maker created a sword, and it came with his not just his blood and sweat, but it, from his ideas at the same time. Should I, if I decide to buy that sword and wield that sword, should I have to pay the descendant? of that sword maker for the the use of that sword i think it just to me it just comes down to the individual and whether they want to come that they uh they have any heirs or what and it's all up to the individual that creates it to put it in paper so what about the guy the first bard that sang beowulf should all of his descendants and i bet you there's tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people that could that could uh, claim to be a descendant of the bard that created beowulf should those people be able to get a cut of that guy's song that he uh, sang next to a to a campfire and it was so good that people just told it over and over again i'm not really sure man like i said i'm just trying to get some insight myself sure sure 
Yeah, that's. I, I think that there's a lot of problems with intellectual property. Intellectual property isn't property, but there's no better word for for what it is. I mean, I do believe that people should be compensated for uh, their ideas that they put some work into and and uh, into creating. Um, at the same time, I shouldn't be obligated through government force to uh, to have to pay for that enforcement in the way that you see the uh, the DVDs come up and attention ten years in prison and fifty five hundred thousand dollar fine for showing this to somebody besides your family member or something whatever the claims are they make there and that's that's my money they're using to enforce that and that's theft they're stealing my money to. To prevent their idea from being used in some manner they don't want. Hey, Travis, since you're looking to expa- expand your mind on this issue, I, I would recommend that you get in touch with, or not in touch with, that you find the writings of one Stefan Kinsella. Uh, he's a patent attorney, so he actually works in the area of intellectual property, but he is firmly opposed to uh, all forms of coercive intellectual property. And the guy is absolutely brilliant. Uh, he has written a number of, uh, of essays and uh, treatises and papers on this. Uh, some of them are lengthy. Some of them are, are, are culled and summarized and truncated. Uh, so I highly recommend looking for him. It's uh, Stefan, but it's, it's spelled S-T-E-P-H-A-N, Kinsella, K-I-N-S-E-L-L-A. This is like the go-to guy uh, within the liberty movement for talking about these issues. The guy's really done his, his homework, and he's really done his research, and there's a, a lengthy paper that he had once that I took a look at. I didn't read the whole thing, but I looked through enough of it to really get a, a feeling for where he was coming from, that he just shows example after example after example and idea after idea as to how things could be better for creativity and uh, in, in the marketplace in the absence of these governmental uh, so-called protections. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Thank hey, you. Very good, Travis. Thank you. appreciate the call. 800-259-9231. Stefan has his own website. I'm not sure if that's the best place to go for things, but it's uh, stephankinsella.com. I know for a He's fact... He's got to have links to all of his articles there, right? Yeah, it looks like he is updating it. It is updated just a couple weeks ago. So hop on over there, and you'll find all kinds of neat stuff, I'm sure. Oh, right there, recent comments. The L. Neil Smith Free Talk Live copyright dispute posted to his own site. So uh, so there you go, 800-259-9231. I don't agree with everything uh, Stefan says, but I agree with most of what he says um, as far as it goes. I mean, you know, they, there's, uh, they're, I think there are different camps and, um, on this issue. It's not just there's no such thing as uh, intellectual property, and the government should protect intellectual property. The government's position is absolutely ludicrous. I'm just of the opinion that uh, most people would agree that there's some kind of intellectual property. I'm just not obligated to protect your property. So, uh, real quick here, just as we're kind of wrapping things out, we'll, of course, take your calls about anything. There's been a little bit of controversy, more drama this week, Mark. It has very, been a very dramatic week uh, within the liberty movement, uh, at least uh, in our little corner of the, the world. And there's a Facebook post that was made uh, by Michelle Seven, who you've heard on this radio program. She has come on as, uh, as a guest on the phones and also in studio, uh, where apparently her teenage son was sold cannabis by some unknown seller. And the unknown seller apparently was aware that Ms., uh, that Michelle had a rule against this sort of thing, uh, that you know, selling my kids drugs, you're not supposed to do that. Bad news, yeah. Right, and this person uh, knew, apparently, about that rule and sold, essentially sold her son drugs behind her back. And she's pretty upset about, about that issue. A bet. And I... And the, the the conversation that exploded on her Facebook profile as a result of her posting this, and it, it kind of focused around the idea that, well, do you own your kids, right? The uh, the suggestion that, 
there was somebody that came out and and was kind of hostile towards her about this. Sure, there's uh, a lot of marijuana advocates um, here in here in New Hampshire. This wasn't a marijuana marijuana advocate that uh, that was hostile, okay. from what I understand. the uh, the av- The person that was hostile was just kind of suggesting that your kids are their own person, you know, people, and they, they can are. do. They just don't live in know, their own house. They can do whatever they want, and that's what Michelle basically came back with. And I I support her on this. She pointed out she's not really so concerned that uh, that her son smoked the cannabis as much as she is. That this person essentially violated her trust by uh, by selling it to the son, and so it's kind of caused this uh, you know this this brouhaha. Well, I mean, she has the right with whom to associate, and that means that she right. probably will not associate with that person um, who's violated her trust in that manner. She also has the right to tell you know to set down ground rules for people that live in her house. If I say that you you know you can live in my house for free as long as you wear a green uh, shirt and a clown nose mm-hmm. every day, that's the rule. I mean, yeah. it's not it's not. Look, I mean, it's a stupid rule. I'll admit that. But it's my house. I make the stupid rules. Right. And she pointed out that her kids are free to leave. Should they would like to, you know, declare independence and, and go about their own way, she'll sign the uh, the the the, the uh, documents that allow her to them to emancipate, right? Right. So there was some kind of confusion over the terminology that was being used. Uh, she she termed them, I think, at one point as her property, and that's what upset this other uh, person. Uh, and 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 then she went on to clarify, no, they're just under my purview right they are under my roof so i so get maybe to she said the they were my kids or something yeah you can you can review i it don't have any intention if you want it. but but that you know they're under her purview I, I fully support where she's coming from in that instance now let me throw another, another little curveball in here what if mom or dad in a case is a cannabis consumer yeah and then they enforce a no cannabis rule on their children. They, um, it is their right to do it. However, it is, it is not a rule that's going to work out well um, for them. They're not going to get the results that they want to get. Um, you know, it's it's one thing if you live a life where you're cannabis free and you expect that from your kids. It's another thing entirely if you consume. You think your kids don't know, or you know, or you know they know, and you expect them to live a different life. Yeah, uh, it's disingenuous. It's not going to work. Indeed. Hey, thanks, Mark. I uh, appreciate you coming in as always. I think appreciate your calls. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll do it tomorrow night. And, yeah, we will. Uh, and Will, of course, and Dale should be joining us tomorrow night as well. We will talk to you then online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. The following edition of the Edgington Post interview series is brought to you by the Free Talk Live AMP program. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier today for as little as 3 bucks a month. Get perks and help us get on more radio stations and more internet connections at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. And here's Mark. It's another edition of the Edgington Post, and today I have with me Catherine Albrecht. Uh, Catherine is a privacy expert and outspoken opponent of RFID. She's also the U.S. spokesperson for StartPage.com, one of our advertisers. And, um, Catherine, you had an event over in Australia where you rolled out um, StartPage.com, and uh, there was another event, the um, IEEE uh, convention or whatever. Uh, Tell us about those. Yeah, well, the the whole thing about rolling out startpage.com in Australia, and if people want to check out our Australian version, it's startpage.com slash au for Australia, is that Australia is the only first world country with a democratically elected government that is talking about censoring the Internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, the, what the Australian government has essentially said is we are going to contact all of the ISPs and we're going to give them a blacklist. And they are going to restrict anyone from within the borders of Australia 
from accessing any of the websites that are posted on this blacklist. And we're going to rely on the ISPs to honor that. Uh, in addition, anyone from within Australia who has a blog or a website or any online presence whatsoever, even on a tweet, who posts a link to any of the websites on this blacklist will be subject to a fine that I believe last time I checked it was $8,000 uh, Australian dollars a day wow. for violating that. Yeah, it's, it's really disturbing. And in fact, uh, a while back, the WikiLeaks got a copy of the actual blacklist that's being used now. Now, currently, it's, it's um, a voluntary program. Some ISPs are voluntarily restricting this blacklist, and they're saying that by next year they want to make it mandatory. But uh, it is a crime within Australia to post a link to any of this information. And so WikiLeaks got a hold of it. They posted the blacklist up on their website. Excuse me. Um, WikiLeaks got it, and then Electronic Frontiers Australia got their copy of it. And EFA, Electronic Frontiers Australia, posted it, a link to the WikiLeaks. Now, this is <laughs> so convoluted. Yeah. They got a letter. They got contacted directly by the Australian law enforcement officials who said, you must remove your link to WikiLeaks where they've posted this. And if you fail to do so, as of the receipt of this letter, we will fine you $8,000 a day for every day that you persist in leaving that link up. So they didn't so, actually break the law. They only posted a link to somebody who is breaking the law, right? Well, the, the, it, is a, it is actually a crime to post information about the blacklist. And this is oh where my. things start getting really ugly when you get into this kind of censorship. Because yeah. as you and I know, uh, the, the way you run an IT infrastructure is those ISPs have a, a whole bunch of people who are going to have to have access to this blacklist in order to implement it. And any one of them will be in a position to leak this. And then you've got all the ISPs in Australia having this. It's going to be virtually impossible to keep this thing top secret like they're trying to do. And once somebody gets a hold of it, if you make any reference to it or a link to it from within Australia, then that becomes the crime. So interestingly enough, during the brief span of time that Australians were able to actually look at the blacklist involving their own country, they found that hundreds of websites had been blocked. Um, many of them were really evil, vicious websites, child pornography, things you really wouldn't want people to access. But mm -hmm. interestingly, there were, and not surprisingly to libertarians, there were uh, some websites that were blocked because they were parody websites insulting Australian government officials. <laughs> so, you know, seeing that, uh, of course, once you create a blacklist like this, presumably for the safety of children and et cetera, et cetera, then it's just a matter of time that, uh, you know, before some government official says, I don't like the way they're talking about me on that website. Can we just add that to the blacklist? And next thing you know, nobody in Australia can access the page or even be alerted to the fact that the page exists. Yeah, it's um, and so, it, it, you say it's a, a matter of time, but it's a matter a short matter of time. I mean, it only took them; they hadn't even had the list out before they had uh, people I, on I it. Know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's so not like that, we're talking about know, it took years time, yeah. to corrupt this system. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> it took moments. I'm sure minutes. Um, so anyway, I flew over to Australia because one of the interesting loopholes in what they have planned is that they, they have publicly stated that they will not block proxy servers. And, of course, uh, users of StartPage know that if you go to startpage.com and you do a search and you look at your search results, that one of the options underneath all of your results will be proxy. Yes. If you click that result, StartPage will go out to whatever website it is that you want to see, and it will load it for you, thus bypassing um, you know, any of the Australian filter. Right. The and other thing. Well, that, I just want to point out that the, start, cool. 
StartPage is, um, you know, may not be the only free proxy on the internet. I wouldn't be able to answer that question. I don't know. It may be the only one for all I know, but it's probably the easiest to use. I have no trouble using it, and that means that it's pretty easy to use. Yeah, it's well, it's the only proxy that's linked with a search engine, and yes. that's what makes it kind of easy because there are other free proxies. They're not third-party certified. They're kind of shady. Mm-hmm. I, when I've seen them, I've kind of thought, I don't even know who's running this. And uh, some of them have been associated kind of with that criminal underground sure. faction that, you know, could potentially be putting, you know, luring you in in order to put spyware or malware on your computer. I know there's a couple of them that I, I just, they feel shady. And the nice thing about StartPage is it's linked with a search engine. So you do your search, and then you get your results. And at that point, you can go using the proxy, and you've got all the security of, of using StartPage, which has been certified. Um, the other thing we're advising people to do, not just in Australia, but in China, in uh, Myanmar or North Korea, if you can get an Internet connection, if, if you're in a place where human rights are an issue or where your government is watching you, and I believe the U.S. probably fits that description right now, that uh, we advise people to establish a secure encrypted link with StartPage. And the way you do that is you go to, you know, you just type in startpage.com, but where it says HTTP, if you add an S after that for secure, yeah. then that will open a secure encrypted connection with StartPage. And the cool thing about that is that bypasses all of those ISPs within Australia. So if you go HTTPS colon backslash, right. um, you know, then, then, then www.startpage.com or startpage.com slash AU, then you can open up that secure link and nobody knows what you're doing. Then you do the proxy server and you're never leaving your secure connection with StartPage and nobody gets to see what you're doing. So anyway, I, I just I did it just now and it's, it's pretty easy. Um, it, it's, it's very it's very easy. I mean, it's, it's as easy as using StartPage. I have StartPage up in my, my browser. It's on the upper right-hand corner there and you can change out whatever uh, other search engine you have there and, use, and have StartPage. And um, actually, you have a choice of, of several of them, um, but I, I generally use StartPage. And if you just go to where it says, eight, the, the first thing in the address is HTTP, and then it goes colon, backslash, and then whatever um, after that. But if you put the S in, HTTPS, colon, backslash, um, then you get this secure, uh, I guess, link. And it, it, on the on my browser, it's this little blue thing that sort of lets you know that it's secure. But, uh, yeah, I can see how that, that would be that, that'd be hugely uh, valuable. Well, and especially in Australia where, where they're really under the, you know, under the, under the gun, uh, so to speak. Yeah. So, anyway, it was, it was fun. I've never been to Australia before. I spent um, 10 days. Uh, traveling around Sydney, and then I headed down to a conference in Wollongong, which is about an hour south on the coast at the University of Wollongong, the IEEE, which is the big engineering, the big international engineering organization where all the you know, scientists and engineers congregate. They have a science, technology, and society kind of arm or branch where they look at issues that affect um, the sort of the public with regards to new technologies. And they put on a conference, a several-day conference, dealing with implantable RFID microchips. So StartPage sponsored my, uh, my, my ability to go down to that conference and deliver a keynote address, and I was able to deliver um, the information that we've put together, the scientific peer-reviewed now, scientific study showing that those implantable microchips cause cancer in laboratory animals and also in dogs. And we're about to launch a brand-new website in, within the next couple of weeks at chipmenot.com where we're going to be showcasing the cases of all of the people who've been contacting us whose dogs have developed uh, toxic 
malignant cancerous tumors around their implantable microchips. So that was kind of cool, being able to get out there and present that paper at an academic conference and talk to some of the people who've actually been microchipped themselves. And that was kind of a but they're thing. feeling a little silly there uh, sitting at the conference with uh, microchips <laughs> in their arms when you're uh, giving uh, talking about peer-reviewed studies where uh, these, these chips cause uh, people uh, cancer in lab rats. I'm sure they got lots of uh, press attention when they put the little chip in there, but uh, the press really isn't. Well, I suppose they'll get attention when they die from cancer. Yeah, I know. It's it's really scary stuff. And, you know, it was wild because I met Emil Grofstra, who's one of the big chipping guys, and he has actually put a microchip in each of his hands. And, you know, I, I feel like I know these guys because I kind of follow their work and they follow my work, even though we've never really corresponded because we're definitely on opposite ends of a huge gulf. <laughs> but uh, as I walk into the conference room, he says, oh, Catherine, i got to introduce you to Emil Grofstra. And I put out my hand to shake his hand. And as his hand approached mine, for a split second, I wanted to yank my hand away because I went, oh, my gosh, he's got a chip in that hand. <laughs> <laughs> I shook it anyway, but i, I got to tell you, I had the cold chills as I did it. It was like I don't think it's going to jump the gap, <laughs> the cancer. No. <laughs> Fortunately, no. But, so, uh, you know, the other person who was there is, is Mark Gasson, who's the guy who uh, claims to have the first uh, computer virus in his implant and transmitted it into his building security system. So, you know, this stuff has some real implications. Well, I, uh, it's quite a dubious honor to be the first guy with a computer virus. Yeah, I, w- I, would, I would think so in your implant. Well, he actually installed it specifically into his implant to see if it would be possible to infect his building with the same computer virus. So he's actually wired. Uh, he's at the University of, of Reading in, in, uh, in England working with Kevin Warwick, the cyborg guy, the first guy to get implanted. And uh, they've actually set up their office and their computers to be accessible, not with an RFID card swipe, but with a swipe of an RFID-implanted hand. And so he, he downloaded a virus into the chip in his hand, and then when he swiped it across the building access system, he uploaded it into the into the, so the building, building. the building got a virus just from the swipe of his RFID-chipped hand? That's, that's exactly right. Hmm. And he also proved that the next person who came along with an RFID implant in their hand who swiped their hand across the system had the virus transmitted from the building into them. Well, so you, it's a whole new way to get uh, sick and messed up and have your life ruined. <laughs> yeah, so you get cancer. That's your physical, uh, you know, your, your, your physical problem. And then, and then somebody transmits some malicious code into your microchip and all of a sudden... You find that uh, you can't access your bank account, you can't make your cell phone get a dialed tone, you can't start your car, your computer doesn't work. I mean, the, the possibilities are, are quite, uh, quite in, in my mind, quite humorous. Yeah, well, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> he's proven that. whatever they get. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad he's proven that. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's not me that was <laughs> had to deal with the, the problems that must go with it. I'm telling so, you. Yeah, so, so anyway, people who think it's a good idea to implant a microchip, please check out our website, antichips.com. I've got my peer-reviewed research study up there. IEEE is going to be publishing it here in an upcoming uh, issue of, of their Science and Technology magazine. And it looks like it may, the full version, which is about 60 pages long, may actually become a chapter in an upcoming book. So we're getting the word out little by little. And I think uh, particularly given that a lot of communities, and this is something that Free Talk Live listeners, I think, would take very seriously, a lot of communities are mandating microchips in pets. So you want to have a dog within city limits, you you must microchip your dog. And a lot of people are saying, I don't want to do it. Uh, Charlie Brown, that uh, long-haired chihuahua who, who bled to death in his owner's arms after they went in to get him microchipped in L.A. County where it's mandatory, you know, they're some of the most outspoken opponents of that and say, you know, it should be up to us 
our dog just bled to death from this chip. We're going to get a new dog, and you're telling us we got to microchip it too. You're out of your mind. So a lot of people um, very concerned about those mandates coming out. I'd be very concerned, too. I mean, uh, you know, not only do you pay a lot of money for um, people pay a lot of money for purebred dogs in some cases, but I mean, you love them and you don't want to have to go through the emotional problem of, you know, some bureaucrat coming up with, hey, this is a really great idea. Uh, And it doesn't it doesn't harm that bureaucrat when everything goes off the rails. Yeah. And you know what was kind of fun at this conference is the microchipping industry has been really vocal in, in saying, making a lot of misstatements to the press. They've said things like, you know, that the, the mice and rats that got cancer were genetically predisposed or bred specifically to cause can- to develop cancer. We debunked that. It was really fun, by the way, as I was delivering my keynote and I had all my PowerPoint slides up and I was showing all of the industry lies and then showing the correction. And you, you could see the faces of these chipped people who were initially so smug, oh, yeah, she's going to get up and give us that same old cancer story. And as I began debunking one after another all of their sort of comfortable platitudes that they'd been relying on (laughs) to say, oh, I don't have to worry about cancer, they were turning white. And by the time they got up to give their speeches, every one of them acknowledged the cancer risk and said, well, you know, now I'm going to be checking for lumps. But Yeah, so I think, um, you know, if your listeners have heard, hey, this cancer thing isn't legit, we've got all of those myths uh, debunked in our FAQ at antichips.com. And it turns out not only were the animals that developed the cancers not genetically predisposed, but out of six studies where mice and rats, between 1% and 10% of them, developed cancer around the chips, we actually had only one mouse that was genetically modified. And interestingly... That mouse was genetically modified to only develop cancer in the presence of genotoxins, which are materials that damage genetic material. And what was interesting was that particular study, I mean, these are not mice that develop spontaneous cancers. That's why they use them for research study to determine whether or not something is genotoxic. And those mice, you know, all the other studies, just generic mice, one, you know, 8.8%, 1.2%, 2.3%, that, that was sort of your rate of cancer in those mice. These Specific mice that are developed to detect genotoxins, over 10% of them got cancer. And I, it was so hilarious and, and kind of shocking to me that the manufacturers of the chips actually emphasized that study and said, oh, well, these are, these are mice that are you know, specifically bred to develop cancer. They left out the second part of the sentence, right. specifically developed to de- bred to develop cancer in the presence of genotoxic materials such as our microchip. Now, isn't the microchip coated in some kind of material because they were having trouble with it being assimilated early on, so they coated it with something, and um, is, is, is that the genotoxic material? Or Yeah, these are the questions, and what I wrote in my paper, and people can, can find this on our website, it, there, are, there are actually four different possible hypotheses for what's causing the cancer. Um, one of them is it's just breaking the skin, the foreign body, just the, the trauma could be giving rise to the cancer. And that's a possibility because we know that pacemakers can cause cancer. Any foreign body, in, any foreign material inside of a body can give rise to cancer. Um, it, that, that may be it. It may be the coating that, that is around these glass capsules. And, you know, if you picture a little glass capsule the size of a, a couple grains of rice, it's going to slide around inside your body. And in the early days of these microchips, those glass capsules would tunnel through the flesh, sometimes even piercing internal organs. So not a good thing. Yeah, I don't want any of those in my internal organs. Them. Yeah, <laughs> not a good plan. So they started dipping them in this polypropylene plastic stuff called BioBond that is kind of porous. And what happens when these chips go into the body, the body tries to expel them. And if it can't, 
that sort of um, irritation and, and inflammation gives rise to a little capsule of tissue around the microchip to try to isolate it from the body. And with this biobond, those tissues in the capsule kind of interweave with the porous biobond substance, thus locking it in place. But when the researchers looked under the microscope and tried to figure out why these cancers were forming around the chips, you know, kind of like a plum with a, a, a sort of a seed in the middle, it had this little microchip in the middle of the cancers. They determined that the, the cancers were starting in that tissue that was forming around the biobond, that sort of protective tissue that the body was creating, in some cases goes wrong and goes haywire and it leads to a cancerous tumor. And we're talking really nasty tumors. These were um, leomyosarcomas and histiosarcomas and all sorts of, uh, you know, I had to learn a whole lot of medical terminology to even talk about this. But these were cancers that were, that were absolutely deadly. They were killing these animals. They were metastasizing into internal organs in the lymphatic system, um, you know, in, in most cases killing the animals within a matter of weeks. I mean, these were really nasty tumors. So the third um, possibility of what might be causing it, they think it might have something to do with the electromagnetic radiation. And that's because these little things, you know, people think it's just a little inert piece of glass they're putting in the body. But what they don't realize is what it, what it really is, is it's a, an RF transponder. It's a device that's designed to pick up and amplify ambient radio frequency energy operating at about 125 kilohertz. So anytime you're in exposed to RF energy in that frequency, then this little chip is going to pick it up and amplify it, and it's going to you know, essentially bathe the surrounding tissues in that frequency energy. And that's the other question. Could it be maybe a combination of all of that? You've got the trauma, the inflammation, you've got the little capsule that may go wrong, and then you've got the RF energy possibly triggering the capsule of protective tissue into going haywire. You put all that together, and uh, then there you have it. You've got cancer around these things. So Most now, are disturbingly... The... Are the, yeah. are the incidences of uh, cancer um, around the RFID chip higher than they are for pacemakers and other, uh, you know, sort of devices that people put in their, um, that have, people have put in their bodies? Well, we don't know yet because so far, it, the, the Verichip company, which has renamed itself the Positive ID Corporation, they claim that about 2,000 people worldwide have been implanted with microchips. Um, we have not seen any scientific or medical follow-up on those people because there's no requirement for them to do it. And even if those people were to develop problems, we would be unlikely to hear about it unless someone reported it to the FDA. Now, they're supposed to do it because uh, these microchips are regulated under the FDA. But I've spoken to people who've actually had their microchips removed after this cancer study came out. Who uh, One woman sent me a picture of her arm after the removal process, Mark, I kid you not, from her elbow to her shoulder was black from a black and blue bruise from the trauma of the procedure of getting this thing out of her arm. It was Why? Stuck. So, well, because it's, it's hard to get him back out. Um, Scott they Dillman, grow in the CEO there. of Verichip, he actually said, you know, oh, it's like a reverse injection procedure. Yeah, right. <laughs> You've got this tissue in your body. You've got to find it. You've got to, lo you've got to locate it. So first you do an x-ray, but now you've got the x-ray next to the arm and you've got to kind of figure out, well, how deep is it? Where exactly is it? And that involves a whole bunch of cutting and probing. And by the time they finally find it, they've got to, you know, literally cut the tissue away from this thing and pull it out of the body. And that's a whole lot of trauma for the surrounding tissue. So you get, you get internal bleeding, essentially, which gives rise to the, to the bruising. So I never saw that reported to the FDA. I saw the photographs and I spoke extensively to the woman, but we never saw anything in the FDA report. So this could, you know, we could be seeing all sorts of problems happening that we're just not hearing about. Where we do know, because they've chipped literally 
hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of laboratory animals, that's where we're starting to see the reports surfacing and more and more of them coming up every day. We're also starting to see now that large numbers of dogs are being microchipped, owners contacting us. Um, probably the, the most tragic case is uh, Seamus, the big 100-pound bull mastiff who had two microchips. Um, he got one from the breeder, and then when his owner bought him, he didn't know that, and he put another one in him. And the cancer actually formed in between and around both of the microchips. So he mm. had, by the time he, he was done, he had a multi-pound malignant tumor, and he died within a couple of months of, of within what? diagnosed. Within a couple of months of having it diagnosed. Mm. He actually passed away earlier this year. <laughs> I guess, you know, I, I, w- I would have never guessed that that was that big of a deal. Um, you know, you think of chips, dogs, sounds good, right? But... Um, not, it, it looks like there's some problems with it. Big time, yeah. yeah. And, and the, more, the more owners who contact me, and they're always in tears, it's, it's really hard speaking to these people on the phone because you know, the, the dog is a family member. Yeah. And unlike when a, cat, you know, when a dog just dies of cancer or some other disease, you think, wow, that's terrible and I'm sad. But in this case, the owners blame themselves. You know, I'm the one who put this cancerous device in my dog. I didn't know, and, and they're just torn up over it. Sure. It's their ignorance, and, no. and I'm, I must say I was ignorant until I talked to you about it. Um, uh, Catherine, yeah. we've, got to, uh, we, we've got to get and do the show now, but um, <clears throat> uh, tell people real quick how they can uh, do the uh, secure start page thing um, again so that uh, people... Yes, um, start, startpage.com, the private search engine that doesn't record any of your personal information, third-party certified. Uh, to do a regular start page search, just go to startpage.com, type in your search just like you do on Google or Yahoo or Bing and you get your search results. If you would like to visit them anonymously and privately, you can click the proxy link underneath each of them, and StartPage will go to the website and load it for you. And if you'd like to establish a secure connection with StartPage, so not even your ISP, or if you're on a Wi-Fi connection like in a Starbucks, uh, the, the Wi-Fi connection can't eavesdrop on you, then you just add that little S after the HTTP. And on most browsers, that'll bring up a little lock, you know, a little padlock, so you can actually tell that you're in a secure connection. But if that S is there, you're secure. And to add StartPage to your browser, in that upper right-hand corner, there's a little link right uh, on the StartPage.com homepage where it says Add StartPage to your browser. Just follow the instructions, and it'll be right up there where Google is. Pull down your menu and select StartPage, and you can start using it right away. Cool. Thanks very much, Kevin. Hey, thank you, and we love Free Talk Live. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. 